You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow, who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. I hate to bring it to you, baseball's dead. Baseball is dead! Rest in peace. Hey, Dallas, wow, team player here today. Team player here today, fighting through it. How's the pain management? Oh, pain management's never been better. I mean, yeah. pain management has never really been the issue. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like oh, yeah, tolerance. Wise, like, yeah, I'm in a great spot. I'm, I'm in a great spot as far as pain management goes. Feeling um, good, looking good, feeling Today's, great, feeling great, looking great. Today's truck day here in Boston. Jay, hey you fucking kidding me? Woo! Woo! Truck Man. day in Boston. Load up the truck with the baseballs. Load up the truck with the T's, the L screens, the baseball pants. <laughs> you can load it up gum. with interest. Load it up with interest, load too, Load it Jared. up with the fucking uh, sunflower seeds. What else is in the truck? Truck's probably got all kinds of glorious baseball items in it. And today's truck day. How can you, how can you not be excited for baseball season on a day like today? February 5th, 2024, the 2024 baseball season is upon us. By the way, Dallas, uh, Mr. Foregone Conclusion about MLB The Show, I don't even know who you said, but you were fucking dead set on it being someone. It was not whoever you fucking said it was. was oh, you I said was it was Acuna. Yeah, was You're like, oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. Why would Ronald Acuna Jr. be posting about MLB The I mean, Show? He's not on the cover, all- brother. So all I, viable, why even, all viable why even have a discussion about who's going to be all, on the cover, brother, if it's going to be Ronnie Coon? I got I was Ronnie willing Baseball. To go out on a limb. Ronnie I was Baseball is going to be on, on the cover. So why even have the segment about who he thinks is going to be on the cover? Anyways, congratulations to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for being on the cover of MLB I mean, I The guess, Show. I guess. What do you mean you guess? What do you mean you guess? I mean, yeah, he is on the cover. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no... There's no room for interpretation anymore. (laughs) No, but I mean, eh, eh. you're not into Eh. that. You're not into that. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. probably hits a little harder. That's all I'm saying. But he was uh, he 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 couldn't do it because he was in the game a different game last year. Is that the rule? Well, I've heard that. I've been hearing that. There's like a rule: if you get on the cover of a game, you can't be on any game for three years, like a (laughs) non-compete. That's just it's like a non-compete clause. That's true. That That is tired. Yeah, that can't be true. I mean, it makes sense, though. I'm hearing, I'm I mean, hearing two different it? things why, right why? now. Why? Why, why does it make sense? That's like, I, that's like having multiple endorsements. It would be confusing to the consumer if he was just on every cover of every video game. True. I mean, the Griffey did it. You're essentially buying the, you're, you're buying the engine, though, ultimately, right? Like the, the experience and how the, how the studio is creating the experience. That's what you're buying. Then why so did, why confusion put on who's on the cover, then why put that should anyone never on the cover? distract you from. Who you're, Why put anyone what you're going with? Why wouldn't even need yeah, a cover? Just put a baseball on the cover. It's just the engine. I can understand if MLB The Show had a no compete because it's like, hey, we're the premier MLB baseball video game, so you can't be on someone else's cover for three years because we're MLB The Show. But signing a no compete with some other baseball game seems stupid. Well, then you've obviously yeah, never played EA Sports MLB Tap Baseball Twenty Three. Actually, no, I it's a really fun game. I used to be addicted to this game a couple of years ago. It's like what's uh what's the game that I'm in? 
Uh, dude, that's that game's irrelevant. No offense. But, no, it's um, not. No, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. That game is fucking irrelevant. What is it? Super Mega Baseball, right? Dude, no one knows. <laughs> Bro, you're just you're just you're just mad because you're not in a baseball video game, Joe. You, oh, I you mean, fucking... no. If I was in the game, I wouldn't be able to say it's irrelevant because they pay me like they paid your ass off. They, I don't even probably they didn't pay you, but you. I don't are, even but... think I got paid for that. Exactly. So they can stole I, your I, likeness, I... and now you have to say nice things about them. But I don't. So I mean, I, I, no I one remember likes me. that game or ever played it. Joe, I, Joe, I why are we? Why are we not? Why have we not had the campaign? And do I need to start it right now? For I mean. Do I need to start this campaign for the creators when it comes to MLB the show? In 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 uh in COD, they have the the skins and everything for creators, right? Like you could be fucking ninja. Like this you could is be all these a, different this is a self-serving campaign that Dallas wants. He he wants to no. be MLB the show. Listen, no, I want hey, hey, creators, I, want, I just I just mentioned creators. You are, you are so, crea- so, hey, you don't so, play anymore. No, You're a creator. No, yes, you are. No, I, yes, you I'm are. The yes, you are. Broadcaster, yes, you are. No, no, no. Joey, no. what are you <laughs> doing right now? What are you million, doing right now? Million subscribers on YouTube. Like, creating. What are you doing so, right now, Dal? You're getting creating. His, getting his lip dick ass in there and <laughs> have it like, Whoa. you know what I mean? Like, oh, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be, uh, I want to be Joe. Like, make me him. Like, what's, I want that. What's wrong like, with Joe's I want, dick? I think that, I think that we're all creators here. And, and I would love if Emma, I, I, I agree with you. I would, I would love if, if, MLB the show called us right now and I picked up right, the phone. Like, give me Jake. Like, said, Jake hey. Jake's just gonna be a uni. Like, Jake, you put on a uni, you go to the studio. Jake, how do you want people to be able to select you when they create their player? When they want you, they want to be you. Boom. And that's how you show up. They take the and that's that's who you are. That's what you get. <laughs> yeah. Why, why hasn't that happened? Why isn't that a thing in MLB the show? Why is I mean, it just because you can create yourself as no. it is? I mean, didn't they just they just put uh the foreplay guys in the PGA game. Why can't we be in in the show next year? Well, that, that's that's what I'm saying. It's coming. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if that happens in a few years. I don't think I would be in it, but I don't. I don't think uh, you I don't, don't have to be in. I, it. Why would I be in it? Well, because you're on the show with us. Oh, everyone on the podcast. I would say yes. Okay. Why do you think? What Joe? Why do you think if if MLB the show was like, hey, we want baseball is dead. On MLB the show, but not Joe as a playable character. <laughs> we want, we want Dallas. We want Jay. Hey, we want Jake. We want Jared. Mm, save us on the Joe part, though. I just think if you, I thought you were talking about uh, baseball content creators in general. I thought you'd probably want one whose face is known. If you're gonna put them in a video game, your but, face is known. How many people came up to you in Atlanta? Thousands. Thousands. <laughs> thousands. Hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah, else. a few more. Uh, <laughs> A few more public drunken rants, Joe, out of yeah, here, like, yeah. sp- like very visible <laughs> rants. We're, that's going to skyrocket popularity through the roof. Yeah, you're like three Braves playoff runs away from being like a forward facing oh, figure. But you're a end. you're a doubleheader in June away <laughs> yeah. from from having a yeah. significant uptick. Yeah. yeah, playoff Joe was on a different level. It's something I never seen before. It's something I haven't seen in a long time. And honestly, it reminded me of Hubs in '18, where it's like. Lights are on, but no one's home. And someone, a, a madman was at the helm, was at the, the steering wheel of, of Joe's brain. And it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think we're going to get to see it again this October because I, I don't think that the Braves run of playoff appearances is, uh, is going anywhere. Yeah, I, no. hope, I hope we're good this year. <laughs> <laughs> you're an asshole like imagine hey enjoy this run because it don't last forever i'm as a red sox fan 
It don't oh, last forever. Hey, uh, can we talk about that? The no, high, no, 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 no. The high no, 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 and the no, low. No, oh no, no, no. my! I don't think oh. that that's really relevant right now. I think well, no, we, it's well, no. super no, relevant right super now. Super extremely relevant. relevant. I think no, uh, no, as no, no. Jorge Masvidal would say, Who? Mr. Gamebred himself. Who the fuck uh, is that? Super, ne- super necessary. We talk about that. Super necessary. We have to. T- you know what we have to talk about because I told him that we were going to call him twenty minutes ago, so he's probably sitting there uh, waiting to join the discussion. Um, the Orioles. The oh. sale. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. He he's probably still drinking. He's st- yeah, he hasn't gone to bed. No. I mean, I I told him that he was going to jump into the conversation, but he's he's really he's going to get in at the ground level of the conversation. Um He said, "Give me 2 minutes." Uh, his daughter's daycare is calling. It's I don't give a fuck, dude. That's so cringe. I do not give a fuck. It's so. Cringe. He said, "Give me two minutes." I gave him five. I gave you more than double. Well, we got. I mean, we got to give the man his platform. All right. Pass- well, now he has to call back. This is. I think he's over two in terms of like I gave you a heads up. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh. There you go. All right. You almost fucking. You almost blew it. That would have been as as you hung out. You said, give me two minutes, and I gave you five minutes. That's more than double. It is. It is. The lady wouldn't stop talking. All right. Well, tell her, hey, I, I have a very big media appearance to make to talk about one of the most pivotal moments in the history of my franchise, uh, the sale of the Baltimore Orioles to, what's this guy's name? Uncle David. You call him Uncle David. Uncle David Rubenstein. No, you guys got to figure out something different because you're you're, just, you're copying the Mets and Uncle Stevie. No, you got to find something different. But I was calling Mike Elias, Uncle Mike, before before Cohen even came to the Mets. But I, I agree. I was talking to someone. I was like, we have to figure it out because we the guy needs a nickname. Yeah, you need your own thing. Um, but what's this guy's deal? Like, where, did you see this coming? Uh, what does this mean for the future of the Baltimore Orioles? And me as as an as an Orioles fan myself, I'm fucking pumped. But can you break it down for me as as someone that like pretend I don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so so we kind of saw it coming because it, it was right around somewhat sometime in December where it leaked out in Bloomberg, um, or on Bloomberg Radio or whatever it was, or someone wrote an article that. This guy, David Rubenstein, was interested in buying the Orioles. And we all got hyped about it. And then, you know, as soon as we're getting excited about it, that little tiny man, John Angelos, was like, no, 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 I'm not selling. I would never sell. So everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that was a fun, you know, couple days where we had pretending that we were going to have a new owner. But he's a local guy from Bethesda, which, again, is is pretty close, closer to D.C. Um, But he grew up an Orioles fan. He went to high school in, um, in Baltimore. He is just insanely rich. He owns the Magna Carta. Like, he wanted it, so he bought it. The actual the Magna, Magna Carta. Carta? The actual Magna Carta. He <laughs> wanted it so bad. So, because I've always said, like, I want an owner with fuck you money. I now have an owner that, who has Magna Carta money. That Magna is, Carta that money. Is, I mean, this guy glorious. probably watched National Treasure and was like, yeah, you know oh. what? Sign me up for that. That's the shit I want. So, so again, none of this, it's, it's, it's just the best. Again, the guy knows what he wants and he'll buy whatever the hell he wants. And that's what got us all hyped up. And then, you know, and then it, a week ago, you know, Tuesday night, I'm sitting there, I'm getting dressed to go to Chipotle thinking that's going to be the best part of my night. 
and boom, it, the news drops out of nowhere. David Rubenstein buying the Orioles, and and everything ever since has been roses and and sunshine and and rainbows. It's awesome. The Magna Carta, uh, twenty one million dollars. Okay, but it, it so he got it at a at a steal because I'm reading here that it was sold for thirty point eight million dollars in nineteen ninety four. So honestly, I mean, the Magna Carta goes back to the twelve hundreds. Yeah, it's, yeah. Our, it's ours now. Twelve hundred. That, yeah, that's ours. Yeah, that was like the first. We have mag- Magna Carta. That was the first. I, that was the first. I, you unplugged your mic. Dallas fucking does this every episode. You unplugged your mic. Dallas. That's the shitty mic. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. We're gonna. Get, I'm gonna get, I got a new one coming. I got a new one coming. Jake, can we please send this fucking asshole a uh, microphone? I'm. Um, I'm begging for one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's on the way. And oh yeah, side note. I hate. To, I hate. To, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jay Hay and Jared. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a bone to pick with you two gentlemen later. We'll get to why. That. I still need but, my uh, yeah, too. We, 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 we've got. Yeah. We, look, we got RDT on the horn. We don't want to. We don't want. We don't want to distract from that. Um, okay. I I need to know. I just I want to know what was um like. Did your entire like career as a fan flash before your eyes when when you heard the new like what just what was the emotion, what was the emotion behind the idea that things were changing and it's almost like uh I don't know like. Like the, 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 the puppy, that puppy being adopted, right? Like, or, so, or maybe it's that, that dog that's, you know, like uh seven, eight years old, like got a good life under its belt, but it's been a, it's been a rough go. And he's like, you know what? <laughs> I know what this means. I know what this means. I'm going home with this guy. He likes hikes. He likes water. He likes me. This life's <laughs> going to be awesome. And like, you just like that dog is so appreciative. Like, and, and so I'm just wondering, was there, was there a hint of that? Yeah, a little bit. And, and, you know, again, I heard the news. I was, I, my phone was blowing up. Twitter's blowing up. I, 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 I calmly got up. I walked over to my laptop. I pulled up Spotify. I pulled up Bob Dylan. Times are changing. And I just let it play for, for a couple minutes in a row and just let everybody know, again, the times they are changing. The John Angelos reign is over. And again, it, it, the Angelos family has saved. It's, it's a weird story. Again, someone will look into it soon. But when Peter came in, in the early 1990s, he was a really good owner. And he spent money, and they, they were in the top ten in payroll every year. Obviously, when his health started to decline a couple of years ago, seven, eight years ago, is when the little man took over, and, and he just screwed everything up royally. Um, wanted to, to be involved way too much. So, again, it, you know, we'll, we'll always be appreciative of what, of what Peter did with Cal and the streak and all that, keeping that alive. and spending money but yeah now it's time to go home with the new owner it's time to go home you know with 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 our new people and and it's i come i said it the other day i said it was like the scene in forrest gump when they're walking through vietnam and it's pouring down rain and they're miserable and then and then it just stops and goes, you know and then one day it just stopped raining that's that's what it's turned into we were like the colors are so much brighter everything smells so much better now like we don't you know we're not under the rain of this size four shoe wearing little guy it, it, wow. it's awesome it's everyone is so excited i mean i was getting dms and texts being like like 20 minutes after the the news well, someone was like i just i just bought these tickets and then someone else well, was like i just renewed my season ticket like people are legitimately over the moon happy about this it's massive 
And 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 to take that analogy or that comparison of that scene in Forrest Gump to the next level, it opens up and it's clear skies, and then what happens? All hell breaks loose, right? Oh yeah. All hell breaks loose. That's where that's where they end up getting bugged. That's where Forrest ends up getting shot in the ass. That's where unfortunately <laughs> R.I.P. Bubba, we lose Bubba. Um mm-hmm. and it's almost like that Spoiler. can be interpreted. Uh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. yeah, sorry. That can be interpreted as like the reign of terror that it feels like the Orioles are now ready to bring upon the AL East. It just it, you, it, it's you a can very make that analogy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just did. Um, and, <laughs> I just did. It's it's dude. It's scary. It is. It's but it's such a. That's why, like, when you and when you, how many how many top tier talent guys we talk about this with the Orioles all the time, right? How many first rounders, former first rounders? You could conceivably have yourself an organization that could be staring. Um, and unfortunately, Adley didn't win it, took second. But if Adley wins it, that, that's three with Jackson Holiday because book him as your 2024 Rookie of the Year, right? That's, that's I think, where everybody's leaning. Uh, that could be three Rookie of the Years in a row, two out of three with Gunner, Adley, and potentially Jackson should things work out and pan out the way people project. So you have that going for you on top of the shift in, you know, whether it's spending, ownership, approach, however you want to label the transition at the top, you have all of that coupled with an extremely talent-rich environment at the big league level, also with opportunities to plug and play and make that group exponentially better. I don't know, I mean, outside of Joey's Braves, where the grandchildren of the lineup are signed up to play for the team, <laughs> there's not a better, I don't know that there's a better place to be right now. Like I, I, I fully agree. And, and again, you didn't even, you talked about Jackson. Heston Kerstad could easily win the, the, the um, rookie of the year too. Like mm, he's sure. still a rookie this year. And then next year, I don't even know if he'll be up next year, but they got another guy who, who could be the number one prospect in baseball in Samuel Basalo. So it's not just done after, like you're talking about, it's not just done after Jackson. There's still tons of kids down there, like itching and ready to come up. And, and it's, like you said, it's a great place to be. You, we know, because that was always the, the, the knock on, on the Orioles was anytime I would, I would blog or tweet or something. It was always, well, you guys aren't going to sign these guys. You're going to trade them. And now it's like, oh no, no, no. Now we have an owner with Magna Carta money. Who wants? And that's what somebody said. How do you know this guy's going to spend? I go. He bought the fucking Magna Carta. You don't think he's going (laughs) to extend Adley? Like, what are we talking about? Like, what what is going on? So again, you couple because that was that was the only thing they had. The only thing they had in in the holster was the the farm system. And I was like, yeah, but then you have cheap owners. That's gone now. That's that's done. Now we have the best of both worlds. I've never seen it, but I assume this is what like the Infinity Stone kind of thing feels like. Someone can explain that if if it works, but. It just feels like they have everything going for them right now. Like, I assume guys are going to want to come to play there. You know, again, who wouldn't want to come play with Adley and Gunner and Jackson and, and Colton and, and Mullins and all these guys? It just, it, it, it feels like a perfect time to be an Orioles fan. And it's, it, I mean, I loved Aaron Boone's comments the other day. I think he's a great A loser, but shout out to him for being honest and like respectful and being like, yeah, that's, that's a problem. Them getting Corbin Burns, like, which we haven't even talked about. No. But, it's 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 I've, we've never had a time like this. I, I said it this weekend. I said this is the best time in my life. This is the best week of my life for being an Orioles fan. I've never had anything close to this. Yeah, that's pathetic as someone that's won four times. But <laughs> I, I think um, 
you know, when I look at this situation with the Orioles, I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and I would 1000% be excited, but I think I would pump the brakes until he does one of those things. Like I, like I think I would let the floodgates go the second that Adley gets an extension or Gunner or Grayson or uh, Jackson. Like if one of these dudes ends up signing one of these Atlanta Braves type extensions, then I would be really excited. But until that happens and the longer it goes on, then I'm kind of sitting there being like, all right, like did I overrate the impact that the ownership change is going to have? Like, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to like rain on your parade here, but I, I, I got to see it. Or at least maybe that's just like my Boston PTSD speaking where like, you know, they just brought back Theo and I'm like, all right, that's great and all, but like until they fucking until he has some influence that's going to actually uh, present itself in an action, then I don't. It doesn't really matter that much to me. Like, have you thought about that at all? Where it's like, all right, like I, I see the vision, I see the puzzle pieces, and I see where they connect to each other. But I've got to see them connect to each other before I really let my emotions go and get excited about this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and that, you know that's that's what a bunch of people have said, being like, well, let's let's wait to see. And it's also being it's me being like, I don't want it. That that's a rational thought. I'm not gonna have a rational yeah, thought on that, Twitter. Like, like I'm just that. gonna let this fly. Like, <laughs> I we, like that. Again, I, we, yes, <laughs> we've been we've been knocked down and gotten the shit beat out of us for so long. Like we need something yeah. to just like celebrate and be happy about. But I, I've definitely thought about that and. You know, again, I was talking with a buddy the other day, and he said, you know, Gunner's still going to be very hard to sign to an extension. Same thing with Jackson. Same thing with Corbin Burns because of the, the Scott Boris part. Um, but again, I mean, if, if they can go out and, and get Natalie, you know, an extension pretty soon, even though I, blah, 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 technically the deal isn't done yet for Rubenstein. Um, but again, I mean, we that, that's what we all kind of said, being like, let's, let's pump the brakes. And then like 17 minutes later, they traded for Corbin Burns and we were like, the brakes are off. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> Things already happen. And like, here we are. But he, they did say that. And I, I agree with Elias. Cause I heard this too, that they had been working on the, the, um, the deal for Burns the, the minute that the world series was over. So I don't know if that had anything to do with it. It was, I don't know. You know, it was a weird coincidence. If it was that, that 48 hours after Angelo says he's, he's selling the team that they go and trade for, top three pitcher in baseball but yeah we we, we thought about pumping well, the brakes a little bit but after the no, week that people had in baltimore last week they needed they needed a release and that's, that's why i said that's why i said to hell to hell with like no think think about being like why if you're shifting gears from one from one approach to player acquisition player retention and you feel like ownership is where that change has to happen for that change to occur well that's what just happened so wanting to be excited about it, well, that's the move that you would need to see or you would want to see for you to say, all right, things are going to be different because that's what you need to have happen or that's what you want to see happen. So when it happens, why would you then try to cull those emotions to hell with that? Mm-hmm. Like, Let mm-hmm. yourself feel all of the feels. Let yourself go down this path where you are you know what? Who knows? Maybe this new ownership group in in Boris, where where he's at in his career, maybe starts to soften up just a little. And he says, you know what? I do have these guys here. And on the way out, 
I'd like to see these three guys create a dynasty in this organization. How great would it be to send the Baltimore Orioles or have the Baltimore Orioles and this group send me off into the sunset with these great contracts, multiple championships? Like, just go there. That's a fantasy land thought, but have it. Let yourself, let all of that fantasy thought rinse over you as a Baltimore Orioles fan. Enjoy that. I I definitely have thought about that too. Like, you know, for all I know, Boris and Rubenstein could be best buddies, you know, like, and, and, and they've already been talking about stuff. I, I don't know, but I've definitely thought about that. And, and again, to kind of go back to your point, like one, one play, one thing that like, let me know, like, it's okay to be happy about this, celebrate, because again, everyone's like, well, we don't know what's going to happen with it yet. When I saw Zach Britton retweet the, I, somebody's article about them being sold, like the Orioles. And it, I think it was like, it was the athletic, I think it was Bridger and he, she said, for 30, you know, for the first time in over 30 years, no Angelos member will be a, an owner of the Orioles. And Zach Britton, the, a man who is known for being cool, calm, collected, not showing any real emotion, just kind of playing it right down the middle. He retweeted that tweet, that article with a dancing gift. And I was like, oh, this is, this is something now. Like, if, again, a guy like Zach Britton, a well-respected veteran who doesn't really let any of his emotions or, you know, his, he doesn't really show a, a side or favor. He was like fist pumping and going nuts. And that's when everyone was like, all right, hey, this is something that we can get behind and excited about. Do you know where, do you know where David Rubenstein went to college? Oh, um, uh, oh yeah. And we're, we're okay with that. It's okay. I'm, I got no problem with Duke and, and you know. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I was, I, because I know where Scott Boris went to college. That's why I was asking. Where did he go? So I was, just, did, did I, Boris I was go? just, I was looking for a connection. I was like, uh, uh, <laughs> no, Boris. yeah, yeah. Rubenstein went to Duke, and that's how it's kind of tied in with like Grant Hill being in the ownership group, and there's a lot of like little coincidences and stuff like oh. that 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 are flying around. So it's it's fun. Hmm. Where does uh, where does my guy Cal Ripken Jr. fit into all of this? Now he's part of this ownership group. Yeah, he's fa- he's face of the franchise, baby. Oh. I, I was texting texting with his son um, when I heard the news, and I just said something like uh, "decent day for you." And his answer is he texted me back and said, what the fuck just happened? And I said, uh, you tell me, buddy. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't know. You're the one. You're the one living. You can text him. You find out. Yeah. But no, it's, it, you know, it's exciting. And, and he's been around at some of the games recently and he's showing up more and more. But to have him like officially back in with it. I was always worried about, you know, a guy like Cal or someone coming in with ownership because, I mean, we had the whole Mike Flanagan thing where he came in as GM and didn't do a good job and people blamed him for it. And he ultimately, you know, he took his own life and, and his family credited a lot of the depression in his life to not being able to help the Orioles. So I never really wanted, you know, an, an old NX player like that involved. But with, with something like this, where it's a big group of people, I mean, how can you not be excited if Cal's going to be involved and, and just around the ballpark more? I mean, that it's, it's not a, never a bad thing to have more Cal Rip. Like yeah. I, I'm, over the moon about it. It definitely feels like one of those Disney movies where like the village has that dark presence hanging over it and then the villain finally gets taken down and then everything turns into rainbows and butterflies again. Like it's rainbows and butterflies at Camden Yards right now. And how cool is it for Cal too? Like I, I, I blogged, I wrote it and I said, you know, this guy was drafted by his hometown team where his dad was coaching, you know, he goes through the system. He plays his entire career there, becomes arguably the greatest shortstop of all time, you know, for, for that franchise, has the statue there, has his number retired, and now he's like a partial owner of the team. And he, again, it's not like a point zero 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 one percent you know, he didn't chip in like 50 bucks. 
to get a certificate that says he owns the Orioles. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, that's, that's the shit that every single little boy in their backyard dreams of. Like, I want to play for this team. And then when I get older, you know, my dad's going to manage me. And then when I get older, I'm going to play with my brother there. And then I'm going to own the team. Like, I mean, that's some, like, I forget what those books are that you read when you're little, like the, the, the sports themes books, but that's exactly what every single one is. Like, that's just the ultimate baseball dream. It can't get any cooler than that. Does Calvin Jr. Matt have the best? Yeah, Matt Christopher. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like does, does Cal Ripken Jr. have the best baseball life of anyone who's ever lived? Has to be up there. I mean, that's like Doesn't Tommy it? Lasorda. I mean, I mean, like some of these other guys like that would have like a strong case for being like, it, like I don't know that. From what you just described, because I mean, I actually, you know what, I, I, I'm, I was going to text you the other, the other day because I went back to my parents' house and um, in my childhood bedroom, I have this little cubby and it had like a Cal Ripken Jr. section and I come, sticky? huh? Nothing. Never mind. <laughs> I, it was a little <laughs> sticky. Uh, and I, I forgot that when I was a kid. Um, so I had this not like bobblehead, but it was like an oversized like Cal Ripken Jr. like figurine and mm-hmm. underneath it, it hasn't been moved in 20 years almost. But underneath it, I had uh, I did a book report on Cal Ripken Jr. And I cut out like the top of the paper where it says like a plus blah, 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 blah. So I was going to send you that. So I, I mean, I've like I like read a book on his entire life. So I'm I'm well versed in uh his whole upbringing putting that up against anyone else in baseball history like i don't know that when you talk about growing up in an area becoming a fan of that team getting drafted by that team playing your entire career with that team winning a world series and an mvp with that team getting coached by your dad playing with your brother and then going into the hall of fame wearing that team's cap and then later in your life, owning that team, how do you, having a statue of yourself outside of that ballpark, having that team retire your number, I don't, in terms of like baseball lifer bingo, like is there anything left on the bingo card for Cal Ripken Jr.? I don't think so. He also owns the minor league team in his hometown, which is again is an Orioles affiliate. So yeah, I, he has I, a league name. And he like, also, like, I was just going to say, he also has a league <laughs> in the East Coast named after him. Yeah, Gallup. like it was like I, I've I've I think it should be canceled. But I remember playing Babe Ruth, like the murder league, and now it's like I wish that I got to play in Ripken League. Like that feels like it's more honorable and like it has integrity. Like playing Babe Ruth, it's like oh, that's the fat piece of shit league not, where you go on to kill this. your wife. Allegedly, I'm not going to do this. Well, I'm just saying like, it's it's like you look at the facts. Would you rather play Babe Ruth fat titties league or would you rather play Cal Ripken Jr. Iron Man league? Well, Ruth, like what Babe sounds Ruth. better? No, yeah. Babe Ruth, they let you get Sign fucked up, up blue at 13. <laughs> yeah, that's what, I don't know. It's just that's just how I feel about it. Um, yeah, I Dallas, you would know like who has a comparable life and baseball story that can be better than Cal Ripken Jr.? Well, no, I mean, like that, that, that's Griffey. He is well, I was going to say Griffey play, if it play with your dad, but it's the moment. Yeah. Yeah. The, there was no like the, 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 there has not been. There's been no World Series. Didn't been, play for exactly, Seattle the whole exactly. time. There's Wasn't from there. There's no there's there, there's just not the there's not the same parallels, there's not the same substance. There's not yeah. the same. It just doesn't mean the same. Like the moments yeah. in the game are great. 
because the next like i mean let's not regardless of how you may feel about one aaron boone he is part of the first family of baseball in the boons right like to have to have that sort of lineage like your dad your grandfather even, you're gonna your brother aaron boone to calvin jr right now no no <laughs> you're talking you? about we're talking Dallas about has just been the, the on differences. all kinds of drugs for the last two weeks because he he's on painkillers. Yeah, you'll have to excuse my friend here. He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Go ahead. No, that's why that's you understand what I'm saying here. Why? No, I different. don't. I really don't. For the same reason that I just said, which call it is different. How, how those two things don't match up. How Griffey and the I'm the, putting the vibe Aaron in Moon in the same fucking conversation <laughs> as Griffey and Ripken for life stories and baseball. Like having having what? No, that's why. I, that's how I'm saying they're different. Like when you think about anybody that has Wildly that sort of life story, different. there's nobody comparable. But no. when you think about the idea of living in the game of baseball and having a baseball life, yeah. when you talk about that sort of being that like a lineage tied to the game, yeah. your grandfather, your father, your brother, mm. yourself, all were absolute studs. Yeah, studs that I don't think that I don't think that anyone can top that, like playing for your dad with your brother, winning an MVP in a World Series, getting drafted by playing your entire career uh, with your hometown team, getting your number of statue out in front of the stadium that you essentially own. Yep, right. You don't own the stadium, but you own part of the team like Hall of Fame league named after you and then going on to own the team and a minor league that's from your hometown. Like, what the fuck else can you do? Like, and like also, unless they name unless they name Cam, Camden Yards after Cal Ripken Jr., which like like Cal right. Ripken Jr. Stadium is probably the only thing left. So like, so there you go. So like, think about this, Jared. Like, is Ricky Henderson <laughs> is is his career comparable to everything we just laid out for Cal Ripken? No. But what does Ricky Henderson have that Cal Ripken doesn't? Yeah, is Ricky Henderson. But no one calls it that. Ricky Henderson Field. Oh, I yeah, call it no, Ricky Henderson Field. Yeah, all day. Yeah, no one else does though. The Rick. So, well, the Rick, the Rick. Also, think about this. Again, we talked about it, but, you know, the moment that he had after 2131, where, again, it's arguably one of the most well-known sports records in history, and the, the, the scene of him turning around and pointing up at his dad, and his dad with tears in his eyes, this is a dad who never told him that he loved him, never told him he was proud of him, any of that stuff, and him mouthing, I love you, while the president is in one, you know, one, he's in the radio box, while... Like all the, you know, Joe DiMaggio and all those guys were in the ballpark. Seeing that happen again, that's, that's the coolest sports moment I think ever. Mm. And that just adds to the storybook life that Cal is now living. And yeah. he did an event with me two summers ago. Like, come on. And these are bucket list things we're talking about. That is huge. Um, he was, uh, I think he was one starting nine appearance away from being eligible from the dog calendar too. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should. You should have made that happen. Yeah, I mean, well, listen. I mean, I, I feel like uh, I feel like we can make that happen now that he's he's in the Orioles ownership group. He's going to have uh, reason to be more forward facing within the Orioles realm. And I mean, in addition to the you know to to even give more credence to his case or having the best baseball life, he has an unbreakable record. No one is even going to fucking sniff mm-hmm. that. Like, no, no one's going to come within 2000. No, I don't think. No, 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 no. So he broke it at 2131 and it stands at 2632. So that is the unbreakable record that goes right up next to DiMaggio, which like, I don't even know that like, it's easy to say now it's been, a, it's been a long fucking time, but doesn't Dima- DiMaggio's streak feels more breakable. Both, both of them, I don't think are ever getting broken. 
But like DiMaggio's record feels more breakable than Cal's because you got because you guys yeah because you have guys getting into the 30s right As like yeah. like who what's what's no more going to the 30s what's the latter is uh, Luis Paul Castillo? Molitor Luis, Luis Castillo Cast- had a long one yeah I know but is is his the longest up to up to date like the the closest to what because uh, what was that at was that at like 40 something I'll tell you right now Dallas uh old fucking Willie Keeler of the Baltimore we Orioles had a 45 mm-hmm. game hitting streak. 45. Uh, he played from 1896 to 90, <laughs> and it went into the 97 season there. Uh, Pete Rose had 44 games in 1978. Bill Dolan, don't know who that is, 42 game Do- hitting streak in 1894. Uh, George Sisler, uh, who Ichiro broke his uh, all time single season hits record in 2004, he had a 41 game hitting streak. In 1912 for the St. Louis Browns, Paul Molitor checks in at 39. J-Roll, Hall of Famer Jimmy Rollins, 38-game hitting streak from 05 into the 06 season. Uh, Tommy Holmes at 37, did that in 1945. Where's Nomar on this list? I know he fucking... So, so Paul Molitor is the highest, most recent player. Uh, P. Rose in 78. Oh, so sorry, Pete Rose. Yeah, Pete Rose in 78, 44 game hitting streak. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you you don't have anybody, you know, you don't have anybody getting in within that percentile of consecutive games played to yeah. 2131. No one's what, no one's gotten within 10 games in 200 years. <laughs> <laughs> no. Ain't happening. Had to get within 10 games. Like the next highest is 45 games and that happened in the 1800s. So then, yeah, Pete Rose in 78 had 44-game hitting streak. We'll I need someone to just commit. Soon, but I, I need an owner to just fully commit to the to the bit, and here's 20 years of you just DHing. You're going to get one at bat at some point in the game. Uh, well, no, you're going to start the game, and then you're going to get your one at bat, and then that's going to be that. Yeah. It's just not going to happen <laughs> because of all like the fucking relievers, the specialties, no, yeah. and... If uh, yeah. if the A's end up going to Vegas for real, mm-hmm. and you know how Vegas has like those, uh, they got those old performers that come and do uh, do tours, and they like live there, and they're like, you know, like it's like a zoo. You come by and see them for like five, you got five year window to go and see Celine Dion or whatever. They should do that with baseball players, but go for the Iron Man streak. Have that be the whole gimmick. I love that. Like, look there he is. There's Kendry Morales. There he is. He's 77 years old. Yeah, like identify a guy who's like, yeah, identify some 21-year-old right now who you think has the characteristics to be the next Iron Man and just go to him and say, if you, we will sign you and play you every single day for the next 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) That would be great. (laughs) All right. Barstool RDT with the worst fucking Twitter handle of all time. We're like, please. I feel like this is the 19th time over the last three years I've told you to change your fucking Twitter handle. You don't have a blue check to lose if you change it. Just fucking change. It sucks. Your Twitter handle sucks. It's awful. It's awful. We you know can why, change but, it. But I know, but I'm, I'm scared. You act if like I you have to go then. to a fucking courthouse. You can do it right now before you hang up. It's, it's like going to the DMV. No, it's, uh, it's not. It's a pain in my ass. No, you yeah, can do it right I, now. 
I'll think about it. I'll it's think about awful. It. It's awful. If if the Orioles win a World Series this year, I'll change it. No, change it now. <laughs> it sucks. I'll think about it. It doesn't even what make should I, sense. What should it be? Anything other than this. It's awful. Well, I changed it to that because I was hiding from the law. I understand why you changed it, but you can definitely do something else that makes more sense. I needed something quick, and and that got that got the job done, and it stayed. But I do, I agree. Again, I we have to have a meeting. We'll we'll have a meeting at a roundtable, and we'll talk about what what the new name. Should be. I mean, like when people go to try and find you on Twitter, like it's fucking impossible. You know how many times people call me Eddie because they think my name is Eddie? Yeah, well, they that's your E-D. fault. Yeah, I know it it's is. It's your fucking fault. It's not great. It's, it's not great. It's E Ditty D I T T I twenty two. Like this, it's like a, you're a fucking internet commenter, dude. Like that is a fucking terrible Twitter name. Yeah, so no, bad. It's not great. Yeah, get the number. Like no numbers. Like have RDT in there somewhere. Like when you when you have to go for a search to find you and yeah. you're someone that we follow, that's a problem. That's a fucking problem. You just get yes. left out. Right. And like, Uncle David would be disgusted. Yeah. Uncle Davey. Uncle would. Davey's like, clean this shit up. Listen, I, I try and give him pep talks. He probably doesn't see it because, again, how bad the Twitter name is. But Terrible. Uh, again, I, it's something that has crossed my mind, and I, will, I know I have to do something about it eventually. No. Now, the, the fucking Orioles are in there. Like, you're in an era of Orioles baseball where it's like, this, is, this could be the prime of your career, and you have. The most unsearchable Twitter name in the history of fucking sports media. <laughs> All right, I'll change it. I'll change it. Thank I, pro- you. I promise you that. Yeah, it will be changed. Let like let 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 it sink in that I'm not telling you to do this because it's annoying to not be able to find you. It's also it's a hindrance to your career growth, and I want you to flourish during this period of Orioles baseball. Well, I appreciate you always looking out for me. That's what I do. That's what yeah, I do. That's what you do. That's, that's what, what I you do. do. Okay. I will talk soon. Thank you, boys. Barstool RDT. The worst fucking Twitter name of all time. Um, Ever. Looking for a super offer for Super Bowl 58? DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered, Dallas. New customers can bet on the big game and turn five bucks into 200 instantly in bonus bets. You got the 49ers, you got the Dallas Cowboys. It's going to be a huge game on Sunday. We them boys. Dak Prescott. Who Who's the, is Bobby Pointer? Who's the fucking 49ers? <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the quarterback? <laughs> What's his name? I, I so thoroughly enjoy how you have just no fucking. Dallas Brock got out at the wrong time. That would have been, whatever he said, I bet it was really funny. Now he's frozen. <laughs> yeah. What did you say, Dallas? Brock Purdy, can you hear me? Brock yeah, Purdy, yeah, is this thing yeah, on? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, he's 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 doing it. A lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people are going to be betting on them Niners. Uh, Jay, hey, do you have a preference in this game? No. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I feel like you, you're a good you're game. kind of uh, I feel like you're a Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift guy. No. Oh, they stole the chop. You think Taylor Swift does the chop? That's what I want to see. And maybe Ooh, that's what I want to see. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Hey, get hey, hey, she is under fire right now. I said it to my For wife what? last. Oh, buddy, 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 buddy. Look, I'm going to tell you. Last night, the Grammy. I had a great time watching the Grammys last night. Um, 
If you want me to get into the T-Swizzle stuff, I can get into that. But, uh, dude, dude, not a good look. Not a good look for Swizz. Not a good look. She had the goat. The goat. I mean, you want to talk about running Vegas. Celine Dion. Celine fucking Dion is there handing her the album of the year award. And she did not even so much as even acknowledge the existence of Celine Dion. Well, she didn't even look at her. Not not a single acknowledgement, not not eye contact, not a thank you. I believe she even took the award while Uh not even looking at Celine Dion. Like, here's the award, like, oh, oh, huh. What did Taylor Swift win? And I love album of the year. She won a ton ton of stuff. Did she win album of the year? Yes, dude. Oh, that's that's the fourth time. She's the biggest goat there is. She's never been done as uh, I think. The winningest goat. The winningest goat. And that's why it was terrible to see. Wait, you're telling me Taylor Swift won album of the year last night? That's what I'm telling you. So that. There's three other artists yes. that have ever done that. I, I think three Stevie times. Wonder was one of them. Three times. Yep. Stevie and she Wonder. she just won it for the fourth time. Who the fuck was the other one? I don't know. Stevie Lionel performed. Richie? Stevie performed. Yeah, I bet he did. He's yeah, uh, a great time. joke by Trevor Noah last night. Uh, Taylor Swift's just as she was walking by Lionel Richie, and he was like, look. Just as Taylor Swift is walking, she raises the local economy wherever she's at. Lionel Richie just turned into Lionel Wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code Jared, J-A-R-E-D. New customers can bet five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of NFL 58 with the promo code Jared. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Yeah, I, I didn't really, I didn't watch, I didn't watch, but I saw some TikToks about it. That's all. Yeah, my uh, my daughters, you know, they're a little. My wife's turning them into little Swifties, so that's gonna be a problem. Her. That's gonna be a problem. Yeah, dude, I know. I'm <laughs> fucking fully aware. Yeah, fully that's, aware. Yeah, you're gonna have like a, a very emotional household. <laughs> dude, <laughs> just yeah, everything's gonna be a fucking ballad of love, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Like they're gonna get like broken up with in third grade, and like they're just gonna, <laughs> it's gonna be like a big emotional mess. We are never, ever, ever <laughs> getting back together. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. That's just gonna be blasting. Like, what are yeah. you? You're nine. Stop. I it. mean, you, you, you have like a pretty good setup at your house though, because like the, your little TP hut that you have right there, that's detached from your actual house, so you can just be like, I got to do the podcast, and you can just sit up there if you need to. Yeah, no, this is exactly where I come to hide from reality. You know, mm-hmm. I, I literally have my backyard underwater right now, and I'm just in my office like, nope, that's not happening. Why is it underwater? You guys never get rain. Did you get rain or something? Oh, bad, bad. Yeah, and uh, in other news, our property up north, uh, I just got a picture 
I have two cypress trees leaning on uh, leaning on my boathouse, Jay Hay, mm. on the uh, on the river. So um, pray for Dallas. Pray for me there. Go yeah. find me. <laughs> were, were they not previously leaning on the boathouse? No, they were not leaning oh, on okay, the boathouse. Okay. That, that was not how they're. Yeah, plug no, your Venmo down. Let's get some plugs yeah. and cash. <laughs> yeah, let's get you. Let's get you some help, brother. Yeah, there. But yeah, no. It's dude. These these storms down south, like. I'm better leaning on than leaning through, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think, Jay, I think that's the next step, bro. Those oh, are, okay. Right. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> didn't know if you were going to get there in time. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably not. That's a five-hour drive. Um, yeah. Well, Things not looking good. No, it's not looking great, but it is looking great for the Baltimore Orioles. I mean, I obviously wanted to get RDT's reaction as uh, the Orioles correspondent for baseball is dead, but I feel like we can't just skirt over that fucking Corbin Burns trade. I feel like we can't just like have that be a footnote in the ownership conversation. Corbin Burns gets traded to the Baltimore Orioles. And uh, that is a I, I don't want to say it's landscape shifting because it is just for one year. But with the new ownership, I feel like you don't trade for a guy like that without intentions of keeping him there. I don't feel like you just got Corbin Burns for one year. That is what you want to see happen. So when RDT, and that's why I was talking about the emotion of feeling like it's a new dawn, it's a new day. What you want to see is a move like that get made. And then you want to see the ensuing move, which is to lock the talent up. Mm. And you're hoping like this is sort of how, oh man, like the Cardinals got, or not not the Cardinals, or uh, when Arenado comes over, Locking them up, extension. You have that opportunity to court them for that time there, right? And you hope that if that's the case, this is going to be a done deal. He's not and a Morris want, guy either, by the way. And, and and so you want the arrival to to flag a couple different things. One, they're ready to make a move, and they obviously feel like they've got really good chances to be competitive again, coming off a division win. So why would we not reinforce an area that's going to need help? But also, if they're making that move, like I said, they want to see them try to follow it up and extending him. So that's the secondary move that I think Orioles fans really want to see. And I think a move like that would really start to signal that, yes, there is going to be a shift in approach. And it's not just a shift in nameplate on the door. How we actually do business is going to be palpably different. Joseph, what were your first thoughts when you saw that Corbin Burns was traded to the Baltimore Orioles? Oh, my first thoughts was, damn, son. Um, but it was <laughs> like our man RTD3 said, new ownership. <laughs> and to have this deal come right after the new ownership, I think that was like the biggest takeaway is it's, it's a new era in uh, Orioles baseball. Now, this could be a total fucking misdirection because this happens – when a new ownership comes in, spends a fuck ton of money as soon as they get there and then go back to being, you know, the poor Baltimore team with the small market and not spend money. But to be honest, if you're the Orioles, that's not even that bad because they already have all these prospects and all these guys coming up who have all been successful. Their window is right now. So if they're only going to spend a lot just right now, I mean, you take that. Jay Hay? To me, it's as like clean and beautiful of a fit of an offseason trade as I can remember. 
like I, I guess Juan Soto fits that bill too. But like this is exactly what we wanted from the Orioles. This is exactly what I wanted specifically from the Orioles. Corbin Burns is one of the what six to eight best starting pitchers in Major League Baseball entering 2024. And like to Dallas's point about whether he's going to be here long term or not, or whether new ownership is immediately going to spend. I actually I, I care, but I don't really because I think that the price paid based on my own awareness and also what I've read since about the deal, like the price paid seems palatable given the depth of their farm system and where these particular players that they dealt away, Joey Ortiz and DL Hall, fit on their depth chart. Like Ortiz was probably never really going to play a middle infield position for them moving forward, given the incredible talent that they already have in yeah. position there. And Hall, they viewed as a relief pitcher, it seems like. Uh, maybe a team with more patience and a different timeline can take a different tack with him. But even if it's just a one-year rental, I don't think this is a devastating price to pay. And it's such a perfect fit. Like Their rotation makes so much more sense now with Corbin Burns at the top and Grayson Rodriguez kind of building on his second half last year and uh and Bradish like obviously he was outstanding next season but doesn't have to or last season but doesn't have to be the ace coming into this season. Um I just love the deal and I I'm totally cool with the price paid. Yeah, it didn't seem like like any Orioles fans that I saw reacting to the deal uh it seemed like they were like that's it. That's all yeah. it costs to to get Corbin Burns. It's, it felt like well, uh, I don't want to call it a fleece, but it did not, feel like it wasn't like a man that hurt, but we had to do it. Like it was like, yeah, no, this is this is very tolerable. And the the reason the reason that it makes the most sense and it's such a great place for Corbin Burns is because this is what this rotation sorely sorely needed was somebody that was clearly going to be a guy that you can lean on. Just a, a here's what we're getting every five days, all right? And that's what Corbin Burns represents for this group because you've got John Means coming on the bounce back. You've got Grayson Rodriguez who needs to, as we just sort of talked about, needs to continue to grow, continue to build on what he was laying down last year. Dean Kramer, same thing. If he can, I mean, you know, not, a, not an absolutely horrible season last year. Dean Kramer got some important outs, some some big outs at times. And if he can continue to take strides, now you're seeing this rotation really start to fall in place. And if they've got some guys that can come in behind those guys in that bullpen, which they do, now you're cooking. Damn. And just to not seem like it's shitting on the Brewers' side, like basically every top 100 that I've read so far has Joey Ortiz somewhere on that list. So it's not like some total bag of balls. It's just obviously they're worse on paper without Corbin Burns than they are with the people that they added. And that to some degree stinks because it comes down to money and their willingness to spend it and the possibility, the non-possibility of extending Corbin Burns beyond this season. So I like it's very likely that these guys that they acquired contribute meaningfully to the Brewers moving forward. But obviously, the much more fun angle is the fact that the team coming off a 100 whatever win season just added a better pitcher than currently had existed on their roster and was maybe the best pitcher that was reasonably available to them this offseason. It's very yeah. exciting, I think. The Brewers, the Brewers are crazy because the Brewers won the division last year. And right. then the whole thing was how their starting pitching was like so strong, at least coming into the year. But their starting pitchers right now are Freddie Peralta, 
Wade Miley, Colin Ray, Joe Ross, DL Hall. Well, that's terrible. And it is bad. It is not great outside of Peralta. And to that point, like it is, it's a turning of the page too, because not only have you dealt Corbin Burns away, who was the best remaining guy, but like Brandon Woodruff was a significant part of the Brewers' success over the last half decade. And like, it, it was for different reasons, like injury related, but he's no longer part of the picture either. So it's like, and you have guys, very important pieces coming up on free agency for the Brewers, Devin Williams, to name one, a couple of offensive players uh, as well. So it's like, it's a transition period and it seems kind of abrupt, but it's also like, you know, a lot of young players are going to get you, an opportunity to contribute for the Brewers in 24. Do you see this as like a sell-off or like a type money ball situation? Like when they traded Hader, you know, they're still trying to compete kind of. Yeah. There's, but is this different or is what is this? A sell-off? Uh, to, or? Me, to me, this is like, I, I don't think the Brewers have much of an appetite for a top-down, bottom-out rebuild. And, I, and they've signaled that in the past. Like, I think they're more of an on-the-fly like retooling type of organization. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Like, I don't, I don't think they have any intentions of being a 65 win outfit or a 60 win outfit anytime soon, I think. And the division they play in helps with that. But like, I, I, I think their hope, like most teams that have re- re- tried to rebuild in the central, most teams, um, is that the window to return this around is two or three years as opposed to like five to six. Like, we've seen with the pirates unfortunately but um i hope that answers the question but like yeah i think (laughs) i i I do i do think that this is not a team that you're going to see like completely sell everything that isn't nailed down i think it'll be a little bit more piecemeal and the hoskins signing speaks to that as well right they're not trying to be terrible they just realize that corbin burns is definitely not part of the picture after 24 and this is the opportunity to get controllable talent moving forward and with the idea that the playoff format is what it is, I think this always will make it comfortable for teams to realize that they don't have to necessarily go through that big, huge tear down. They can, uh, I don't know if it's, it's not, it's not a cover up per se, but it's like, we, we don't need to make that big, huge splashy move each and every off season, year in, year out. We can slowly start to acquire talent as we're watching talent leave that we're going to not pay that we know. So that's kind of how I see teams operating these days is, Unless you're in that upper echelon of revenue, you're a team that can strategically figure out how to bring guys in, a la Aris Hoskins, all while watching a Cy Young Award winner and a Cy Young candidate in Josh Hader leave leave town. Like, that's just kind of how you do it. And it's like, well, we're in a division where there's going to be opportunity, and we understand it, so this is the pool that we're swimming in. This is how we do it. Also, um, is this the official closing of the Brewers window that kind of opened up in 2018? I think so. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's kind of been closed. It depends what you consider a window. I mean, they just won the division. You can't say it's been. I mean, like, so World Series non-tendering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, mean, yeah, I mean, that's I, been close though. Who the fuck thought they? Were- well, you you don't get you don't get rid of your ace and your closer, and I mean like, like Devin Williams, like you had a fucking nasty uh, reliever to just slide right into that hater. It wasn't like they were like, yeah, hey, we're gonna trade our closer and like you know we have nothing back there. Like 
Like you yeah, have but, Devin but Williams. You need someone to back up Devin Williams. Role. I guess, but yes, Devin Williams do. is going to be on a different team in August. Yeah, probably. Yeah, like he's got to be next. Like if if you're gonna if you're gonna do this and like the whole uh, and Freddie Peralta probably will be too. Honestly, like it's not yeah. going to be a full down full teardown, but it is going to these guys who are going to be free agents who are not going to sign with Milwaukee are going to be dealt. Yeah, which sucks because I feel like that window eighteen nineteen more specifically they they had what it took to at least get there maybe not win the whole thing but like they definitely have what it took to get there like when freddie peralta was at his peak and you had uh woodruff burns and, and woodruff burns just cooking talking. yeah like you had it was, it was the best staff of baseball yes and you had the bullpen you had a nasty rotation that was three sometimes four starters deep and you had offensive production that was good enough to get you deep into i mean did they take the Dodgers to seven games? Was that yes. was that NLCS seven games in eighteen? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that was almost the Brewers that got steamrolled by the Red Sox in the World Series. So, <laughs> um, man, yeah, it just feels incomplete. It feels like we we should have had more, I guess, knocking on the door with this run of uh, Brewers teams over the last call it six years. So. This is a big one. It's pretty big. I mean, listen, maybe it wasn't a big deal a few years ago, but it's a big deal now. Ryan Brazier back to the Dodgers. Two year deal. Two years, nine million. This is someone that should have been bagging groceries three years ago. And now he's uh, an important piece to a Dodgers bullpen that's trying to run the table here next year. 162-0, Mookie Betts said. No one's going to beat us. <laughs> Fuck you guys. We are the World Series. When you play us, the World Series is in town. We are the traveling circus. We are the Harlem Globetrotters. We are better than you, and we know it. This is Dodgers baseball. Ryan Brazier back to the Los Angeles Dodgers uh, on a two-year deal here. Uh, this is actually what Mookie Betts said. That, that cocky fuck. That cocky. I mean, every, every game is going to be the other team's World Series. I mean, it is what it is. It's what we signed up for, you know? And yeah. so I don't disagree with him. People were going nuts about this. He's not wrong. Like, I think no. people want to twist it or whatever. They want to make it their own little thing. The thing, the point is adding Yamamoto, adding Otani, already having Mookie, already having Freddie Freeman. Freddie. Like, they are or should be world beaters. And now adding those two stars in Otani and Yamamoto, when teams. I mean, if, if a team goes in and takes two out of three from the Dodgers, that is going to be such a fucking confidence boost to that team. Oh, God. That, so Mookie's point that, is yeah. entirely valid. Like, that's, that's your World Series when you play us. I think kind of like it's, it's maybe not the right messenger, I guess. Like, Mookie, I don't know. I don't, I don't like Mookie being well, cocky like that. Well, why not? They don't have any because, cocky players on their team. They're so humble. 
Did, let me ask Freddy's you this. Let, just, that's what I'm saying. From, they're, all, from, from they all, they're all like that. Otani, Freddie, yeah. Mookie. How long yeah. uh how how long has Mookie's podcast been out? How long has Mookie been doing a podcast? Like a year, maybe? I don't know. A couple years? I only noticed it last year. So the reason I ask is I think as you start to become more comfortable with certain mediums, mm-hmm. you and I think where Mookie's at in terms of his career, like he can say that because honestly, his star is still not going to be the brightest in that room. It's, it, it's just not on a, on a day in day out basis. So while he and what he's saying is going to be bulletin board material to an extent, I think it's so true that it's almost not, it's not, it's not like, oh, so you're going to get up even more than you were when you're going to face Otani. You're going to get up even more than you were already when you're going to face me, Mookie. Like, no, I, you were already bringing your A game, period. So I'm not like, and in the game of baseball, you know, you try to outmuscle this game and it can bite you in the ass. So you have to take a tactful approach. You can't just go out there and try to be somebody you're not against this lineup. So I, again, he's right to your point. I, I just, I think, Jared, there may be a little resistance hearing this kind of stuff from you because it's coming with Mookie wearing Dodger blue and you know that he's never going to put on no, that's another not uniform. It. That's and not there it. was a time, there that's was not a place it, no. it's, it's where honestly you because that he wasn't exist. this was guy here. He, he was not this guy here. He's he's kind of a geek. He, he didn't and have then, the freedom to be that guy there. That's he not true. He didn't have the freedom that's to be not that true. guy. That's not true. He was he was a geek here and now he's trying to be Tommy Toughnuts now that he's with the Dodgers. Like he's, <laughs> he had to stay he's in his trying lane to there. be someone that he's not because he's in LA and it's Hollywood. Like he was never fucking. He can be himself. The, the, he was never a fedora guy here. He was never sunglasses maybe, inside. Maybe guy he was here. always a fedora guy. He just no, couldn't be a fedora guy wasn't. in Boston. That's not because true. oh, this fucking That's guy cares true. more about his fashion than he cares no, no, about no, playing no, no. playing fucking right field for no, the no, Sox. No, no, you no, fucking no, kid no. me? This guy'd rather throw his fucking bowling charity event at the Lucky no, Strike no, no, than give a shit about he was getting bowling guy working. here. No, no, no. He was bowling guy here. He he's trying to be I, someone that he's not. And I yeah. That's. Has nothing or, or, to do. or maybe he's exactly who he is now. No, there's, there's no part of like, no, nah, there's no part of like, you know, his time in Boston. Like maybe uh, like some of those like younger guys went on to complain that like, you know, we, you know, it was very veteran led and like, you know, we had to we were like subordinates and all that. But if he wanted to wear a fedora, he could wear a fucking fedora. Like who's who's telling him no? I don't I don't know. I'm just saying maybe he maybe that was the environment that he felt he was in and he was just reacting yeah, accordingly. He's not that guy. Look, he's just he's three hundred and sixty five million dollars. Have, have you seen it? That, have you seen it, his fedora? He wears it. So he's that guy. Does, Dallas, <laughs> Dallas, does money change people? He's uh yes, I see it change people all the time. Okay. I, I see it change people all the time. I mean, didn't Mookie, Mookie, didn't Mookie Mookie had money in Red Sox for the Red Sox? They were paying him to play baseball, right? They paid him, but they didn't pay they him three hundred sixty-five million dollars. That's a different tax bracket, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, I mean it can be, but I think ultimately when you're Mookie, you I think, I think, kind of I think living in that tax bracket uh, anyway. I think, I think living uh, uh, in in Copley Square is a little bit different than living in Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? So, if anybody yeah. listening wants to try this out in real time, I'm ready to be ruined. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can document it. You can document yeah. my ruination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gag me with your hundos. Mm-hmm. You know what? That, that actually reminds me. This, this is. Uh, I'm gonna uh, inject a little PSA to all the people out there, especially maybe some of the older folks. 
you know, as my parents get scammed every three days uh, by shit like this. <laughs> um, so if you randomly get like a Venmo payment for like three thousand dollars and it's from someone that you don't know, then they will contact you and be like, oh, shit, like I was sending my rent payment to this person. Uh, can you please send it back? And then you Venmo them the three thousand dollars back. Well, that's reported as fraud. They're they're using someone else's credit card to send you that three thousand dollars. So the person whose credit card it is, they report the fraud. They get the three thousand dollars back. But then the three thousand dollars that you just sent to the scammer, you're not getting Excuse that back. Yeah. So if you ever not that not that uh, I mean it does happen a lot. But if it ever happens to you, you get three thousand dollars just randomly Venmoed to you or sent to you on Zelle or whatever it is. Don't be in a hurry to send that three thousand dollars back because you're probably getting scammed. Or if you need three thousand dollars, just send someone three thousand dollars and then have them send it back. Yeah. Also, also, if you haven't met a Nigerian prince, just <laughs> just saying, checking emails, just saying, be leery. Yeah, that's your that's your public service announcement of the day. Um, also, speaking of helping people out, a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all of your relationships, whether with your friends, work, or your significant other, or anyone. Um, Dallas, you said you had a bone to pick with me and Jay. Is this a, would you want to, do you want to talk it out here to work on our relationship? Um, you know, I will hold on. Let me check. Um, <clears throat> can you hear me? Is my microphone on? Yeah, your microphone's on. Is my microphone on? Because mm-hmm. it appears that the topic of my sound and my microphone <laughs> may have been a topic that was discussed <laughs> on a separate pl- uh, platform, on a separate uh-huh. podcast. Yeah. It was brought yeah, to well, my attention by, yeah. by a listener or two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys. I mean, you guys want to you want to take me through that, or are you asking for us to apologize for your <laughs> oh, sound no, quality? No, no, I don't no, really God, understand. No, 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 no. You can, you can, no, you can ask my wife. There's a golden rule that I have. I save your apology. We oh, okay. don't apologize. I, I'm yeah, not going apologize. to because. Yeah. 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 Are you no. disputing that you've had audio issues over the years? No, no, yeah. no, no, oh, no, okay. no. Absolutely okay. not. Absolutely it, not. So no. you're are mad you, that are we you talked just, true? Yeah, are you mad that we d- uh, described the infamous Dallas Braden uh, videos that we got sent? See, I told you it's not working. I tried to turn it on. It doesn't work. See, look, I'm clicking. I'm clicking the thing you told me to click. I'm clicking right here. See, click, click, click. Nothing hey. happening. Okay, I don't know what you want me to do. It's because I refuse to. I refuse to just. No, not we believe you. No, we believe evidence. you. You don't ever believe me. You don't <laughs> ever believe, believe me. So I, gotta, I have to provide video evidence. That's why. <laughs> what do you have? Just a microphone from 2017? That's it? I have the first. I, I think this is the fucking microphone that Buzz Aldrin was using in his headset <laughs> when he was fucking phoning back to the rock. Like, hey, I landed here. Something about steps and mankind and shit. So <laughs> over. Yeah. Uh, now I'm using it to podcast. Oh, you sound great. You sound great right now. So, I mean, shout out to whoever makes that microphone. It's. You know, it's been holding up since what the sixties. I mean, yeah, it's, it's no sure coincidence that the audio quality is uptick since we brought it up on that other podcast, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Yeah, instant yeah, uh, shit together. We, we've had two issues today. Oh, yeah, that's because well. you jerk it too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get too excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh goddamn! You know, it's. A- <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate. Whether you're looking for one or not, visit BetterHelp.com baseball today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash baseball. Wow. That's what, um, that's that's what I call my friends that I go shoe shopping with. Better help, soulmates. Oh, I get hey it. hey. <laughs> um, how about how about a little story time with Joe? I got a story, but yeah, tell me a little story, Joseph. Let me just pull up my notes because I got to put on my reading <laughs> glasses for this one. Do you have glasses? <laughs> No, I'm good. Um, <laughs> this is a okay. this is a good little story for you guys. I don't know, like sometimes you know you read these old stories that, that are like from, let's say the 1800s, and it's just like this is no way this is fucking real, but like everyone posts it, publishes it for decades. So this thing, I, apparently, this is a true, real person. I know it's a real person, but this, is this the guy that got struck by lightning in the middle of a game? No, that's a good story too. There's no way that fucking happened either. <laughs> he got well, I mean, my died, lightning twice, he? right? Yeah, yeah. He, he like died on the mound, but then came back and oh yeah, he. That's a good story, but that's not the story. That's yeah, way, save that way one for next week. I got a I got a pitching coach that's been hit by lightning twice. Okay, I, on well, a golf course, I, both times. Shit, I believe that. Shit. <laughs> if Dallas knows him, all right. Um, <laughs> Lil Stoner, you guys know Lil Stoner? Yeah. No. <laughs> Lil Stoner was a pitcher back in the uh, early 1900s. You know what? And his real name, Ulysses Simpson Grant Stoner. So Ulysses he, S. Grant? He was named after Ulysses S. Grant. Got it. Now, okay. what's awesome about that is that um, he also had a brother, Benjamin Franklin Stoner. <laughs> what? And, yeah. And he had another brother, Theodore Roosevelt Stoner. Stop it. Don't forget about Washington Stop. Irving Stoner, who I guess is Stop it right now. another famous person. So three of his siblings are named after presidents. <laughs> this is real? This is real. This is real. <laughs> this is no a Wikipedia page. You go to a saber. You could read all about this fucker. Uh, oh. So he was born in 1898, 1899. And when he was oh, three God. years old, one of his 17 siblings cut off his finger. 17, 17 <laughs> siblings? Wait. 17 siblings? They cut off, this is, the sibling cut off their own finger or his finger? He asked his sibling what the to fuck? cut his finger off. 17 Whose finger? Kids? Stoner. Lil Stoner. Lil Stoner. Bassett Hound? <laughs> 17. Okay. This is the OG Lil, too, by the way. Like, there's yeah. no other Lils before him. He was, he was the first Lil Stoner. The first Lil. <laughs> definitely the first <laughs> only Lil Stoner I know. Dallas might know him, but. So he cut with his weapon. He this is actually a big one. This is a big one. We actually. This is fuck so rude. No, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, this is this is worthy of break. I'm sorry, Joe. I'm sorry. I love more. I'm sorry. I love more. Breaking news via Jeff Passan, Bobby Witt, and the Kansas City Royals are Let's in go! agreement. 
on an 11 year, $288.7 million contract extension. Say that man! Say that fucking man! Bread it up! Chicken titties! Let's fucking go! It's about time! I don't care if my fucking microphone is on or not. This has needed to fucking happen. This has been the deal that needed to fucking happen for the Kansas City Royals. You're getting ready to pass the baton. It's already happened. Sal knows the deal. This is going to be the lighthouse in that clubhouse. Where are we going as the Kansas City Royals? Where Bobby Witt Jr. takes us. That's where the fuck we're going. And you had to have this in place for it to be true, for it to be real. You couldn't wait another year for this to happen. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you, fucking, thank you, fucking, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Royals are having themselves an offseason. They've spent, oh. at this point, uh, almost half a billion. They've, they're probably in like the $400 million range in terms of uh, oh. what they've spent just this winter alone. But yeah, that's this, they're doing exactly what you would hope any other franchise would do. You have a superstar in place, a first-round pick who came up through your system debuted had a i mean a a season where you can look at it and say this is sustainable this is, there's nothing really fluky about this we're dealing with a superstar talent <clears throat> give him the bag you're here forever and uh ride into the sunset with Bobby Witt congratulations to Bobby Witt that is uh that's a fuck ton of money and you are spending Let's all go. of your prime years with the Kansas City Royals <laughs> That won't wow. backfire. You don't think so? I mean, I'm kind of curious what where the um, Royals' priorities are because you're spending all this money, and Zank Granky's still unsigned. But that's true. Well, now maybe now that clears the path where it's like, all right, we need to know what Bobby Witt's number was before we could allocate any further dollars to Zach Granky. So now they can pay Granky. I like that. Yeah. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Um, go ahead, continue. Story time with Joe. Okay, cool. With a little stoner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Where was I? Uh, so I think you're getting cut off. <laughs> so here's the real story. He's one of 18 siblings, right? And he actually, when he was three, asked his older brother to chop his finger off with a hatchet because his brother was chopping wood. So he was three years old and his brother just sliced his finger off. But it actually worked out because, funny enough, that's his fucked up finger is actually what made his curveball so nasty. It, if it wasn't for that, he would have a regular curveball, but he had such a nasty curveball because of that. It actually gave him a long MLB career. And if you're curious, actually, funny enough, one of his siblings died from getting struck by lightning. And what are the odds? <laughs> not 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 high. Not, Pretty yeah, low. Well, but I mean, fuck, you got 17 other fucking siblings. I feel like the odds are probably higher for him having a sibling getting struck by lightning than the majority yeah. of people, Joe. Just the, doing the, math. The, the odds of getting struck by lightning are actually more favorable than you would think. It's one in 15,300. So, I mean, if that's like, I mean... That's better chances than winning like a 50-50 at a sporting event. Right? What? A 50-50? One out of 15,300? 
I thought a 50-50, 50-50 chance. But what? I thought 50-50. That's why they call him that. You got fucking 50-50. No, I don't think that's why they call him that, Joe. So, uh, well, that's why I never enter. Yeah. There you go. Anyways. Well, four of them died. At, four of them died as infants. So if you want to count that into the calculation. Okay. So he was down to how many siblings? Uh, right now, zero. But at the, uh, if you want to... <laughs> <laughs> just go by uh, past adolescence I want to say he was one of uh, fuck 13 surviving siblings yeah. he's the only one who made it to the pros 9 seasons 4.76 ERA and uh, yeah his name was Lil Stoner he had a fucked up finger that made his curveball good so that team so play which, for? which finger which finger was cut off that's what I need to know I believe that it was the index finger Okay. They, okay, hold on. So they cut it off, but the doctor reattached it, but it was deformed. Yeah, so you know, so he so you could very well argue that Lil Stoner threw the first spike curveball. Yeah, maybe. I've been saying that. Yeah. Yeah, consider I've been saying that. Where I've hypothesized uh, that myself. I got a baseball around here. Yeah, here. Yeah. Look. Well, you're thinking he has a nub, Dallas. They put the finger back on. It just was all yeah, but but up. they're say, they're saying it was deformed, and so like you know, it's still on there, but it's all deformed, and it could be laying on the ball, all fucked up, like like dude, like I had. How about this, man? This was like when my when my wife and I first first got married. Yeah, where is this? She guy? was she was looking. Well, she was just we were holding hands, and she was looking at my hand, and she looked down, and she was like what is wrong? What, what? That's so weird. I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, look at your hands. I was like, what? She goes, look at your fucking fingers. And I was like, what are you, what? I had no idea. Like my ring fingers. I don't have a joint at the end of my ring finger. So I can't bend my ring finger, like the end of it, mm-hmm. like everything else. Like, see how that bends? Yeah. That's my index finger. That's my middle finger. I can't bend my ring finger like that. My, even my pinky, I can bend like that, but my ring finger won't bend like that. And it's because I don't have that line right there, that extra joint in that. So on my left hand, if you're listening to this, you can see that I don't have that line either on my left hand. So like throwing my change up, I threw it off that finger and I got a fucking, I still have a callus on the inside of that finger. And because the dexterity or maybe lack of dexterity with that finger helped me and i never even fucking thought about it never even looked down and realized that i had that deformity until my wife pointed it out just another stoner with a fucked up finger <laughs> yeah <laughs> nasty off-speed shit you know as one and the same he also yeah, grew viruses and was a good baker mm-hmm. but that's really all i got on so, on little so he grew flour and liked to eat baked goods i'm fucking <laughs> all in I'm on saying, this guy dude, this all in on little stoner I need a little stoner jersey. Jay, hey, what bet did we win where you owed me a little stoner jersey? <laughs> Nothing? Are you sure we got to figure that out? Don't let him I'll do go back. this to you. So no, imagine no, if this guy was born in 1990 and he was oh you know, my- in his prime right now. Come on. He'd be a Dude, billionaire. What are you talking about? Yeah, you drop a little stoner on Major League Baseball right now and the dude's got a fucked up finger and he's just dicing people up with a trick pitch. That guy is electric. That guy's moving the needle. 
Little now on the mound, Lil Stoner. Lil Stoner making his 18th start. Of the, I mean, Lil Stoner rocking a 4.20 ERA. It just the uh, it's. Did you know who incredible. this was? <clears throat> Had you heard his name before, Dallas? Um, no, like, no idea who yeah, Lil Stoner neither. was. Like, you never know what you're gonna get. Story time with Joe. You never know no what you're idea. gonna get. Yeah, the fucking 17 children. Like, my God. 18 kids. Well, some of them died. Well, they're all I dead know. now. Well, probably. But Safe 18. Bet. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. Um, <clears throat> wow. That was, a, that was a great little segue there. Um. Joe, what do you got on the uh, the Braves taking a, a flyer on Ken Giles? I was, I mean, I was in over my head. I, I mean, I've been on cloud nine ever since I heard about this. Ken fucking Giles. <laughs> He's a nasty coming out of the pen. Reminds me of his brother, Marcus Giles, who was one of my favorites for the Braves growing up. So just anytime we get a Giles, I get pumped. You know, but yeah. I believe I believe the new Giles, Ken Giles, a little bit of a you know project, maybe like you know coming off injury. Let's see what we can get out of him. He's yeah. got some good stuff. He's got some great numbers. And you know what? With a reliever like like him, hey, the ceiling's high, the basement's low. But we'll get anything we can we can we can take take anything we can get. Yeah, there you go. We haven't talked about the Jorge Polanco trade either. Uh, Jorge Polanco traded from the Minnesota Twins to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, I mean, you have to you have to like the addition. I, I just don't know that we're ever going to see 2021 Jorge Polanco again. Like it might be a a pipe dream, especially when you look at the inconsistency of the time uh, on the field. He goes from 133 games in 2017. So this starts in 2017. These are games played. 133, 77. 153, 55. Well, this is 2020. Uh, 152, 104. Then down to uh, just 80 games played last year. But that 2021 season, man, going to be telling my kids about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. 269 with an 826 OPS, a 125 OPS plus. And I believe he was like a five-win player. 4.9. 4.9. Um, you look at 2019, which was his lone all-star season. 4.7 wins above replacement. Uh, and then the last two seasons, you're talking about a very, uh, you know, it's a good player. Those 80 games, two wins. 104 games in 2022, that's 2.8 wins above replacement. So if he can stay on the field, you're still talking about a, a guy that's going to be able to help you a considerable amount. But we just don't know what he, if he's going to be out there. Well, the other factor, too, is like, and I think this is more pressing from Seattle's end, is like that second base has been kind of an open sore for them for multiple seasons now. And so like even if 21 Polanco or whatever isn't coming back, the version who plays 100, 110 games could still have a good amount of value for this team because of how poor their second base play has been. Like I looked uh, 21 to 23, they've been a bottom five. And in some cases, the second worst team by offensive production at second base in the league. Um, so it's been really, really bad. So uh, almost any version of Jorge Polanco is an upgrade. And 
I know they've been hamstrung financially this offseason with the RSN situation and shedding payroll to be able to add payroll and stuff like that. But if this is how they re- reallocated, I mean, I think this makes a lot of sense given what their weaknesses have been. <clears throat> um, the Mariners had to give up their number three prospect in this deal. Uh, is this a top 100 or their t- their number three prospect? Their number Talking three. Talking about the mirror? Their number three. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they, it was a, what, a one, two, three, four, four players going to the Twins. Um, yeah. Jorge Polanco. He is a Seattle Mariner. Is this satisfying <clears throat> for you if you're a Mariners fan? I mean, obviously you like the player, but in terms of the expectations coming into this offseason, if that's <clears throat> if that's what you you get, are you coming away from this offseason feeling like you did enough? Well, there's um, no there's no way, right? Ahead, I mean, Jay. give it Yeah, no. <laughs> given the way I just given the way that you phrased the question and the way that we were talking about the Mariners and Mariners fans expectations like two months ago. Or three also, months Blake ago, Snell's it, still out there. Yeah, it was. I mean, was wasn't one of the reactions to the Eugenio Suarez trade? Oh, they've cleared X amount of dollars in payroll. What what star free agent or star trade acquisition does this open up payroll to go and get? Okay, well then, three months passed after that sequence, and the answer is just that they've been shifting dollars from one place to another, basically on the team. So like. I, I think you can like this transaction and agree that it makes the team better and that they needed offensive help, given how dynamic this rotation is and and how much better it even could be in 24. But it also has to be underwhelming. Like Jorge Polanco, Mitch Garver, Luke Rayleigh, and Mitch Hanniger are your prime. That, that's kind of your offensive remake of the offseason. Come on. We have no idea whether some of those guys are going to be good or not in a given season. Is Mitch no, Hanniger going to be good and available? I have no idea. Was Luke Rayleigh's 2023 like repeatable from his time with the Rays? I, I, I don't even know. It was kind of a weird season. Um, Mitch Garver's good like every other year. So it's just like, is Jorge Polanco on the field to Jared's point? It's fine stabs in the dark in a lot of cases, but you could also view it as kind of shuffling the deck chairs. We'll see whether it works. I think Polanco is the clearest good move of that group, though. The good news is their rotation's still pretty fire, and if they get Snell, which I, do, awesome. I I don't think they're going to get Snell, just because they're you know I just don't think they will. Then it will be very I, I, fire. Then you'll be satisfied. I mean, and also, I mean, maybe this doesn't make uh make anyone feel any better, but the fucking Mariners told you before the offseason, like, we're not even trying to win more than 90 games. So how, what's their expectation? Yeah. If you know that, well, if you're hearing your owner saying that and you get so, Polanco, that's like getting Aaron Judge for most teams. So now, so now, Joey, think about it like this. What, were, what was the conversation that we were just having regarding another team that uh, not a complete teardown? So we're not talking about teardown for the Seattle Mariners, but we're talking about the competitive nature the division in which they're in, is this a move adding Polanco and adding Hanniger that we feel like now puts them in a spot to threaten the Texas Rangers or threaten the Houston Astros? Eh, I don't know. I don't think I mean, so. 
I, well, hold on, hold on. I dis, I disagree. They were literally threats last year to both of those teams right up until like the last four days of the season. So I, I think you have, I view those teams as almost equal threats to each other. Does it advance their case? Probably not really, but I also think these teams are close to even on paper entering the season. And like, yes, the Rangers went on to win the World Series. But how much different qualitatively but, were they from the Mariners during the regular season, right? And I but think, I think all, there, there, well, there was a time period where the Rangers were not good, like they were not playing yeah. good baseball at all, and so that gap gets closed. I just think talent-wise, adding those guys, I don't know that those are moves. What I was getting at is I don't know that those are moves that necessarily put them in a position. And I understand what you're saying, Jay. Hey, they were only four games, or were they finished two games out of the division? Um, but I just don't know that those are. Just don't know that those are moves that are that are going to threaten. No, position. I mean maybe maybe not. They they may not advance the case. If that's what you're saying, then I then I maybe agree. Um, but I do think Jorge Polanco specifically is definitively an upgrade on the people they've been Helps. trotting out at second base. Those other guys, maybe yes. not. But um, and I don't know, man. Like to Joey's point about whether they sign Snell. If we're operating under the reality of what their payroll situation appears to be. I think you could almost argue that investing $175 million in Blake Snell is actually a really poor use of their resources. It, and it, and they, it needs to go to the lineup. It needs to go to the lineup, especially with what you've got in place with this rotation right now. Yeah, I, and like, I, I get you can't always, not every free agent really wants to come to Seattle. So maybe it's being a little bit unfair if Snell wants to come there. Um, and, you know, a lot of hitters often don't. But you have, you have two. You, I, I don't think Snell advances your playoff viability a lot from where your rotation already is with Castillo, Kirby, and Gilbert. Um, that if you're having to shuffle around for every dollar you spend, it, it, to, if you're able to, I do, I do agree. I think it should go to the offense, but can't always choose. I, I just think, I, well, it's almost like, what does this team, what would this team benefit more from in the postseason, do you think? adding a Blake Snell or is it adding one more guy in this lineup that would make them a bigger threat to make a deeper Snell. run? Blake Snell. Snell, I think adding Blake Snell to that rotation could conceivably give this lineup as it sits today right now a better chance in a five-game series, in a seven-game series. Now, that doesn't mean that adding Blake Snell to this rotation over the course of 162 makes that big of a difference. And you could argue that having somebody that you're penciling in for 140 games, maybe 150 games, that'd be really nice, probably a little aggressive, but on the offensive side would be more beneficial to this group during the season. I, I think I have to respectfully disagree with, I think, maybe everyone, if you're all saying Blake Snell because, uh, on the postseason thing, because to me, like... I think we're going to get to a point at some at some time this season where we talk about George Kirby and maybe even Logan Gilbert as similarly quali quality pitchers to Blake Snell in terms of postseason viability. And I think Luis Castillo is functionally already there. And like conversely, I cannot see a scenario where this offense is good enough to win enough playoff series to win the World Series. And so like I get what you're saying. Blake Snell is going to have a higher postseason impact in any individual game that he participates in than almost any offensive player that you're going to be able to add. But to me, the offense has to get into a better situation to be a, post a real postseason threat 
as opposed to the offense that gets shut down every single time it gets into a a, a real a real high leverage high leverage game. Um, to to me, I just I, I I think it needs to go to the offense if you're if you have the option available to you. I just don't know that that guy is out there for them right now. No, it maybe not, maybe not. No, like, I, don't I don't know. know. Yeah, there's know there's not a complete a fit there. You know. Well, but is Bellinger like? Does he completely change the complexion of that no. lineup for you? Like you no. slot him in there, and now do you think like, wow, this feels like an eleven man lineup now? Just no, but he's certain guys have moved down, and you know, like, but he's probably that, and like, that's all part of the mystery around Bellinger right now. Is if we knew that we could bank on MVP Belly or something of that ilk, completely but different conversation. Yeah, I, but I you mean, can't. like all due respect to Cody Bellinger. <clears throat> yes, he makes the Mariners better, but does he make? Does he move the needle? Does he impact them more positively than adding Blake Snell would? I don't think so. I, I disagree. I, Cody Bellinger immediately becomes their second best offensive player, almost well, the, regardless of what version of Cody Bellinger you're getting. So that's why I threw that. That's why I threw that hype, you know, not a hypothetical scenario, but just thinking about it, I'm, because I'm, I'm almost torn between whether or not I would want, if you give me an option, do I want Cody Bellinger for the full 162 or fast forward and put me in the postseason. Do I want Blake Snell and this lineup minus Cody Bellinger, which like, what do you, what do you think gives you a better chance Bellinger over 162 to get you to the postseason or Snell already in the postseason? Let's say you got to go through the gauntlet and it's a wild card to the division, to the CS. And you know what I mean? Yo, let's be fucking real. The, The Mariners cannot bank on getting to the postseason. They need to get there. They never, ever get there, right? So, like, I, I think they're equally helpful or close to during the regular season. So if you think there's a big edge to having Blake Snell for the postseason purposes, that's fine. But, like, the, the Mariners, I think, also can't, they can't operate with the same sort of luxury that, like, the Braves do or the Dodgers do when they make personnel moves, which is, like, how does this impact our postseason rotation? Like, they won 88 games and need to get there first and, like, rarely ever do. I, I don't know. Yeah. The only thing I worry about when it comes to a, a a lackluster offense in the postseason is, all right, who's your dude? Who's your guy? Because guess what? That guy doesn't beat us. So if it's Bellinger that got us there over 162 and it's Belly that's got us knocking on the door of the wild card and it's Belly that's got us there, guess who? Me, the opposing manager, does not let us get beaten by Julio and, and it's obviously Belly if that's going to be the dude who's been getting us to this point. So on the flip side of that coin, it's you got to beat Logan Gilbert and then you got to beat George Kirby and then you got to beat Luis Castillo and then you got to beat Blake Snell. You got to beat all four of those motherfuckers on top of the guys coming out of the bullpen. So what is the likelihood that all three of those guys in a row shit the bed before you get to one of those fourth ones, however you want to pan them out versus me being able to pitch around Julio and Belly for three games? I that's why I that's why I lean snow in the postseason. Same. I, I just think if you're going to talk about a postseason series, I think getting to a fourth starting pitcher who can shut you down borders on redundant at that point, particularly if you have an offense that can't well, score. I, any that's what I'm here runs. for. I'm here for re- I'm here for redundancy on the mound in the postseason. If, if you're never crossing any zero, runs across, I know this is a hypothetical situation, so it's like, why get fired up about it? But it's like, well, like, because I, I want I, you to get fired up about I it. I can't <laughs> see. 
any scenario where a team with this offense is advancing, regardless of what the pitching staff looks like. When is the last time that an offense that sucked this won badly the ball game? won the World ball Series? Game? Not, I don't think they're winning 2-1 ball games over the course of four straight series. I don't. Well, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of baseball, though, is we know uh, that the best opportunity to, to create that scenario is to have guys on the mound that can shut down a daunting offense. To, to, to me, the teams in the World Series it. are evidence against that exact point. And that having offenses that are viable are e- is an equal part of getting to the World Series or winning the World Series. None of us were confident in the Rangers starting pitching entering the postseason last oh, year, no. and they managed to no. string together a lot of bullshit to get to the World Series and win it. And that included dominant performances in the end by some of those guys. But like, same thing about the D-backs. We were, uh, we were like middle half, of the pack. Yeah, they were. We were like half me, joking so, so around. Let's let. let let me let me ask you guys, and this has nothing to do with uh, with the conversation. We're well, it has everything to do with the conversation we're having right now, but nothing to do with like the teams and the specificity of it. Um, given the opportunity to manage in the World Series, you are given the best offense in baseball to go against the best pitching staff in baseball, but you get to choose which one you have. What would you rather go into the seven game series with? Best, best pitching, pitching staff. staff in baseball. Look at the fucking Yankees. As far as the starters all the years and the, the relievers Yankees made go. it to the ALCS and they couldn't get past Houston or, or whoever. Or would you rather have the best offense? The best pitching staff. The, also, gen- what if I asked hold, you? Hold, 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 hold on, hold on. I, I, like, I'm genuinely curious just, just to know. And th- th- there's Obviously, there's no right or wrong answer. This just kind of, this is, you know, it's just a little exercise. Are you talking starting pitching or all pitching? All, all encompassing. You get to go into this series with, uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you want to frame it? You, uh, a top three starting rotation and and bullpen. And then you get to go into the series with a top three offense as far as run production goes, slugging on base. You know, I mean, maybe getting that specific kind of enhances it a little. I don't know. But what would you rather go into a seven-game series with? Jay Hay is mulling over the historical numbers here, which is unfair because I wanted his raw reaction. Like fuck what the numbers tell you, motherfucker. Well, what do you want to run my out raw there in reaction your video? was is that I don't feel very strongly in either direction. And but but I think like you, what what everybody is going to say is the pitching. And to me, okay, well why? Because the cliche is is that pitching wins championships or that pitching is what succeeds in the postseason. And to me, that's more cliche than it is true. Like obviously, the teams that go on to win pitch well to get there most of the time. But that's also like a self-fulfilling prophecy because any team that goes on to win the World Series almost is going to need good pitching to get there. What they're also going to need is the ability to score runs. And I think if you look at the World Series winners or even just the two participants in the World Series over the last half decade, you do see great pitching staffs. What you also see is a lot of the best offenses to have played in those given seasons. And I I, I I don't know that I have a, a clear answer. Maybe maybe pitching because you're also giving me the relievers, but I think it's it's more like a coin flip for which one would be more successful in a given series. Also, would you be surprised to know that the Mariners scored more runs than the D-backs last year? Mm-hmm. No. Because the a D-backs are never the freaking, you know, powerhouse sluggers. They're like they're button for sacrifice button in the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, but they got to the World Series, and the Mariners scored more runs than them last year. 
because they had good pitching. Yeah, I mean, just just I guess what I'm getting at, like like the offensive thing, put it like this, Jay, 1972, 1972, Gene Tennis at the plate, whammy, whammy, two homers, same game. Gene Tennis hit five homers all year long. Gene Tennis was not the guy that you thought was going to be bludgeoning you with the bat, but he came up in the right spot and did exactly what needed to be done. And it, it just, that kind of stuff can happen, but more likely it feels like, like the pitching is going to outweigh the offensive threats. I mean, Corey Seager was the world series MVP last season. To me, he was arguably the differential between the Rangers and the D-backs. And we said almost as much while it was happening that one of these teams has Corey fucking Seager. And to that, and to that point also Adolis Garcia and the other team doesn't it, that, uh, that to me, like was as impactful, uh, swinging the world series. And, and in fact, more impactful in swinging the world series than anything that any pitcher, any individual pitcher did. So I don't, to me, it depends on the series. Like I'm looking at the names of the people who won world series games in 2023. And you, you cannot convince me that this was some sort of murderer's row of pitching where Jose Leclerc, Merrill Kelly, John Gray, Andrew Heaney, and Nathan Eovaldi were the World Series. Come on. Come on. Give me a break. No, 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 no. No, that, that, but that's why. So did you officially answer what you're choosing? Are you choosing I'll, I'll the offense? I'll say offense or... just to be that guy. Whoa. whoa. I'll say you're offense. I don't. I want you to be. I want you to be convicted in this picture, Doctor. No, I told you. I you told you when you, you asked the question it, that it's I think get it's fucking whacked. No, I think when you asked the question, I, my initial reaction, as I said, was that I think it's more like a coin flip, and that these things are close to equally important. Now, if you're also including defense, like literal, actual defense, along with the pitching, then yeah, then then that side's more important. But yeah, I'm I'm not one of those dudes who likes to sparse it like that. Like that's just I, I, that's unfair. You know, like we're talking about. One thing, offense. People just fetishize thing. this pitching shit in the postseason. They're like, they get all, they get these big boners for you know historically great it's, pitching performances, and like, oh, look at this staff. How is any team going to beat this staff? And then you go back and you're like, hey, remember the Detroit Tigers who had the staff that nobody could beat, and then remember the next year where the staff that nobody could beat was also beat, and that like the only example that comes to my mind immediately off the top of my head about. Oh, how can anybody beat that staff that actually won the fucking World Series were the 2019 Nationals? Yeah, because that was actually now, a rotation where it was like, how can you beat that staff? And then nobody did. But yeah. And when pitchers only go in five innings, when you're just looking at starters and because you do, you want you watch like oh the World Series matchup. Now we got Spencer Striders pitching against God fucking Rainer yes. Suarez. You're like, we're gonna win. It's gonna be fucking so easy then it's that yeah we were all talking about this last postseason where it's like you get it used to be like every other pitching matchup was like oh fuck that's appointment television i cannot wait that could be legendary and then now it's like you get like one a series maybe where it's like oh the aces are both aligned and like they're both in a position to maybe go seven innings that could be cool like we were just complaining about this shit. How many innings is Blake Snell really giving you in a postseason start? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. We, I think whoa, we know the answer. Whoa. I think we know the answer to that. 
Whoa. It's probably like four or five. It ain't because Blake Snell's making the fucking decisions, pal. All right. It ain't because well, Blake still, Snell's making the still decisions. Still factors in. The re- His manager's not yeah. going to let him air out for seven or eight innings, then I yeah. think my diminishing you ever heard returns of 1956? You ever heard of four. Don fucking Larson? Yeah. That's what can happen. That's yeah. what can not happen. Not anymore. Someone can go out there and blank the Brooklyn fucking Do- the Brooklyn Dodgers. Didn't Don Drysdale Brooklyn- have to retire because of persistent shoulder issues, Dodgers. too? Yeah. Duke Snyder, nothing. Jackie, nothing. Pee Wee, nothing. Great pitching performance. It wasn't that daunting Brooklyn Dodger lineup. It was the incredible pitching performance. Don yeah. Drysdale literally was done pitching by 32. He was out of baseball by 33 because he was so oh. abused. Anyways. Anyways. Talking about a different Don. Anyways. Uh, I think for next week, we will do the all-time Mount Rushmore. Oh, my, oh my God. Which should spawn some great conversation. I was talking to my dad about this. He brought up two names, and I was like, I don't think that they make the cut. He's like, that, one, that one's going to be easy. You, you know, you've got... He, he mentioned Ted Williams. I was like, I don't think Ted Williams makes it. Mm-hmm. He mentioned Stan the Man. I was like, I don't think, I don't think he makes it. I was like, yeah, I don't think it's that easy. Um, and Dallas mentioned before the show about how I don't, I don't think that you should look at it as all eras need to be represented, but it kind of. Well, the, you know, the reason you feel I say like that you're is not because telling the whole story if you don't, right? Like, but, I don't know. But, 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 just I've always thought about this conversation. If you were to not think about that, and you were to not apply that filter, and you were to just blankly stare at the numerical statistic just staring at the numbers you don't get to a lot of the people that you want to put on there because the no. numbers from guys so far back dwarf dwarf things that are happening in today's current climate and well, so you, you also, would be you, you you'd be so far off base in terms of representation of what this game is because every name on that list aside from babe ruth is going to be who yeah, and he doesn't even make the list for me. I think if you were to ask baseball fans, Shocker. just go around the nation and ask them, what is your all-time baseball Mount Rushmore? I bet you there's a decent percentage of those submissions that forget to even put a pitcher on there. Maybe a, I mean, pitcher, doesn't okay. be- maybe a pitcher doesn't belong on it. Maybe. Uh, it's doubtful. I mean, there's, it's, it's hard to not put one, but like... Well, it's hard to not put the guy whose fucking name, the award for the best pitcher oh, ever. It is very easy oh. to leave that after, guy off. Right? That's he's not even a consideration for me. But 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 to my point about numbers, numbers. He has the most losses of all time too. Fantastic. That's great. That's Sion a much more sucks. Dallas. Your Sion point sucks. is, it, it's your point is much more relevant to pitching though too because if you look at the offense, like I think if you look at like the advanced numbers for offense it's actually going to be most of the people that we're going to consider. I think it's, it's where you get like the guys who are to, to the, our point, we're starting like 400 innings a season that. Yeah. Shit like that is, is yeah. Cy Young, Walter Johnson. Yeah. Like five nineteen, Like it's just, yeah. these are things that are not, not happening. No, but like, so like, so, that, the, but so, like, so, the to- so the top, so how batters, would you have a pitcher like that? How would you have a picture like that? Well, come on. We know numbers? how to contextualize. Come on. Come on. And then well, this is baseball that's, is dead. Uh, 
Yeah. That's what that's the what error representation league. is for is to contextualize. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just not gonna shoehorn in an era if it doesn't if that player doesn't deserve to be there on his own merits. But I'm also not just going to go back and look at who has the most wins in baseball history or something. Like Cy Young's not even sniffing a Mount Rushmore. And I don't think any no. baseball historian would put Cy Young on that list. No. And then like you look at the most strikeouts of all time, like I don't think that Nolan Ryan should be the representative for all pitchers either. No, although Maybe he was Dallas a very popular name on Reddit when this topic was suggested on our Reddit thread, a lot of people mm-hmm. were stumping for Nolan because yeah. of what he represents. Because it, what do you associate outside of the wins with pitchers, strikeouts? Well, that's Cy the next best thing. He had none. Well, uh, like out, outside of accolades. Maybe that's awards. not correct. Like maybe. You know, maybe next offseason we switch the MVP discussions for Jay Hay's segment to Cy Young Awards. And I'm sure that there will pop up some years where maybe uh, Nolan Ryan did deserve to win a Cy Young Award, but he doesn't have any. He has the most strikeouts of all time, um, pitched in all different decades and has all the no hitters and everything like that. So I don't know. I mean, I, I that that is an interesting question in and of itself, even if we don't. Even if we do the all-time Mount Rushmore and there's someone or multiple participants who leave a single pitcher off entirely, I think it's a very interesting conversation to have of if you were to pick a pitcher who is the lone representative. I, I, I almost... Does this get too convoluted or is it possible to do... like? I almost think we should do a pitcher Rushmore. Pitcher Mount Rushmore? Yeah. yeah. Pitcher Rushmore and a hitter Rushmore. Like, because like if you're... If you're splitting it up, because it's almost like, all right, if we're gonna name, if we're gonna name the best players in the NFL, anybody dropping a punter's name, anybody throwing a Shane Leckler out there, anybody throwing a Sebastian Janikowski out there, like I, I you know, but well, I guess those positions that, have to be represented. Different. See, those that's positions different have to because, be represented. But we're gonna do that. We were gonna do like the first baseman Mount Ru- Mount Rushmore and the second right. baseman go around the. So horn. it's like if you do the pitcher one, then you're just doing the pitcher one. If the if it's the all yeah. time, then it's like yeah, all right, then that's fine. You just don't just, include everybody. None of those, all, all those part time workers are gonna make my Rushmore. Yeah, no Everyday Raleigh players only for me. Mm. That's fine. Yeah, I think I think. I think what we should do is start with the positions and then build up to the all time. That's what I think we should do too. Yeah. We yeah. should do it that so way. Next that's, week. That's, so pick a position for next week. Uh, we should start in order. So pitchers. Pitcher, okay. catcher, first, second, third, short, left, center, right. Mm-hmm. All right, pitchers. Wow. Start okay. with one. See, this is much more exciting. Okay. Mm-hmm. Start with one. Catchers will be the week after. First baseman, second baseman, wow. third baseman, shortstops. Pitcher Mount Rushmore is going to be fielders, so hard. Right fielders. See, like th- this. Time. This is what's this is what's crazy is numbers wise. Oh my god, like guys that just eat innings. Guys that were just. Oh man, the all time <laughs> pitcher Mount Rushmore is next week. Wow. Does a reliever make the list? Does Mariano Rivera make somebody's Mount Rushmore? If you're a bitch. Mmm. Wow. Tempting. Only play only player to get hundred percent of the vote. Only player to get hundred percent of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. Not making the Mount Rushmore. For Jay Hay. No way. 
All right. Oh. Inner circle. The innermost circle. <laughs> That'll be where it started. Mm-hmm. Not Next good week. Enough. Pitcher Mount Rushmore. Jay, hey! What up, baby? What are we doing? What year is it? What it's, year is it right now? God, it feels like 2009 all over again. Damn. Wow. 2009 MVP race. God. Who could forget it? Thinking it of how of little I knew back highly then. Highly contested. All right. We're wrapping up the pod. So we won't dilly dally here. 2009 AL MVP. That was Joe Maurer, recent Hall of yeah. Fame inductee. Very um, timely. Or elected. Someone say I guess. that this was planned. It wasn't. No, it wasn't. Um, 27 of 28 first place votes at the time. So damn near consensus. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, who finished, I believe, fourth, got the other first place vote. He was third among vote getters and wins above replacement overall behind Zach Greinke and Ben Zobrist. It was a remarkable season for Maurer in a lot of ways. He led Major League Baseball in batting average uh, at 365 on base percentage of 444. He led the AL in slugging uh, and the AL in OPS. Uh, to put some historical context to it, it is one of uh, he was one of three catchers to win the MVP uh, in the last 40 years. It's just Maurer, Posey, and Pudge, uh, so pretty rarefied air there. Um, and by offensive uh, adjusted OPS, um, it is the third best of any catcher in the live ball era and the best of any AL catcher uh, in the live ball era. So basically the last 100 plus years of baseball. This is the best offensive season by an AL catcher over that span. The only uh, seasons better are Mike Piazza in 95 and 97. Obviously, those happened in the NL. By batting average, it's the number two season and number one in the AL in the live ball era. And by on-base percentage, it's number three in the AL. So uh, an absolutely remarkable offensive season for Joe Maurer. Uh, Definitely the best offensive season, uh, best overall season that he would contribute uh, in his Hall of Fame career. Uh, main uh, the context twins won the al central uh and uh his main competitor for the award statistically on offense was ben zobrist and on the pitching side was zach ranky purely by yeah. wins above yeah purely Ranky by wins blew him out of the water purely by wins above replacement uh you would you would lead the you would end up at the conclusion that zach ranky should have won this mvp and it shouldn't have been even particularly close it was 10.4 wins above replacement by baseball reference. The next closest in baseball was 7.4 Tim Lincecum. So a three win gap between what Granke did on the mound and what the next closest person did per baseball reference. He was number one in ERA tied for seventh in innings pitch. This is in major league baseball uh, tied for number three in strikeouts and uh, number four in strikeout to walk ratio. Um, it is one of five seasons uh, in the wild card era. So since 95 in the AL with an adjusted ERA of 200 or better and 200 or more innings pitched. The only other AL seasons in that span, Roger Clemens in 97, Pedro in 99 and 2000, uh, Granke in 09, and then Corey Kluber in 2017. Um, should, should we be taking this MVP away from Joe Maurer? And by the way, just as kind of a contextual thing, do the, I do think the if right you thing. take away this MVP from Joe Maurer, uh, he's definitely not getting in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. And I think it's much more of an arduous task to get him into the Hall of Fame, despite the fact that his career would qualitatively be no different with or without the piece of hardware. I think the MVP really puts a nice cap on him uh, on Maurer's career and helps his case. Do I take it away? 
I think this is actually a really difficult question, despite what War says, because if you look at if you look at Fangraphs War, which I wanted to look at to see what what they're saying about this, Granky still led pitchers at eight point seven, but it was obviously almost two wins less than what Reference says, and the gap between him and the next closest person was almost indistinguishable. Justin Verlander had eight point four, so that throws a little bit of question into was this the historically amazing season that baseball reference says it was, or was it your typical kind of Cy Young campaign that fan, uh, that Fangraph says it was? And then on the Ben Zobra side, I am fundamentally uncomfortable taking um, a MVP award away from a catcher who hit 365, 444, 587, and giving it to uh, an admittedly excellent utility infielder who's War numbers are heavily aided by some crazy defensive contributions. He got almost three wins uh, per baseball reference from his defense alone. That to me feels, if not fluky, then maybe something that I'd feel more comfortable regressing a little bit. I'm not going to take it away from Maurer and give it to Zobrist, despite the marginal uh, B-war edge. Granky's a more interesting situation. Um Ultimately, I concluded that I'm going to stick with Joe Maurer because it was a remarkable season within the context of catcher offense uh, in MLB history. Uh, And I'm also, I think there's enough gray area as it relates to B-War versus F-War and also the contributions of catcher defense overall to suggest that this was a lot closer maybe than than the B-War suggests and that uh, Joe Maurer is going to stick with the MVP. Dallas, you obviously disagree. Yeah, I disagree wholeheartedly. It's mm-hmm. got to go to Zach Greinke. I mean, it's a nice offensive season for Joe Maurer, and if you want to apply positional context to it, I'll even hear that argument, but I can't let that be the standalone reason why. And I think, Jay, your point you made about his Hall of Fame candidacy kind of makes that MVP the like, if it's not there, you said it yourself, it's an arduous task trying to convince people that he is still Hall of Fame worthy. And I, as somebody who competed against the dude, don't need him to be an MVP to know that he is a Hall of Fame player. I I didn't need that. So whether he was recognized in one year for his outstanding offensive season or not, he was going to be a Hall of Famer for me either way. Uh, I, I just look at... Again, the pitching performance for Zach Greinke in the context of historical pitching performances, and and it's it's up there. Two oh five ERA plus. I mean, the dude was un yeah. fucking hittable. He was unhittable. It was dominance too. And and that's I I don't know. Like twenty five again. I go ahead. Twenty five of twenty eight first place votes for the Cy Young that year went to Zach Greinke. So he yeah was it wasn't the, it, it wasn't even close. Which was interesting because in order to do that, it had to require voters overlooking that he played for a trash team um, and that three other competitors, quote unquote, for the Cy Young won 19 games We're that season as a three-way tie uh, and Granky won 16. This was Granky's breakout in a lot of ways. Like This is where he announced himself uh, as a bona fide ace. Uh, it was by far the best season of his career at the time. You can make a case that it's the best season of his career. It's either this one or 2015 uh, with the Dodgers. Uh, but either way, uh, a, a great, great season. Granky at his peak and was his first all-star team, too. He only made one all-star team from 14 
uh, from 2004 to 13. So the first decade of his career, he made one all-star team. It was this season. The NL, uh, a lot more straightforward. Uh, it was Albert Pujols. Uh, he received all 32 first place votes. That was the first unanimous selection um, in the AL or NL since Barry Bonds in 2002. So a seven-year break there. He led Major League Baseball in homers, runs, slugging percentage, OPS, and total bases. His OPS crept up over 1,100, um, and his home run total was 47. He led the NL in uh, B-War at 9.7 and on-base percentage of 443. Uh, uh, Context for his offensive contributions, his 189 OPS plus was 18 points higher than Joe Mowers in the AL and 23 points higher than the next closest person in the NL, which was Prince Fielder. Uh, the Cardinals won the NL Central, so he also had that going for him narrative-wise, as as did Joe Maurer. This was Pujols' third MVP, uh, third and final MVP, so he didn't really need any narrative assistance here. He was already established as uh, one of the great players in the game and was currently on a streak. Uh, of eight straight All-Star games from 03 to 2010. Um, as I said, this would be the last time he won MVP. He had won in 08 as well, so he we went back to back. Just a reminder, because it's really far in the distance now, and he had a whole decade where he kind of sucked. But uh, in addition to three MVPs, Albert Pujols had four second-place finishes and then three other top-five finishes. So there were 10 seasons in Albert Pujols' career where he was no worse than a top five MVP candidate, and there were seven seasons in his career where he either won the MVP or finished second. And oftentimes, I think at least, I think two of those second places were to Barry Bonds. So a little bit unfair uh, to as well. So he ran, yeah, he ran up against peak, you know, old Barry Bonds uh, at the beginning of his career. And- What's up? Well, the best part about that is it was from the minute he stepped yep. foot on the baseball field in the big leagues. It wasn't a let's get his feet wet here, 120 at bats this year, or or maybe just 20 at bats in the in, in September. No, he came up, won rookie of the year, was a top five MVP finisher, and continued to do so for the next 10 years outside of what, 08 or whatever, 07, 08, where he was a top 10 finisher in MVP. Outside of that, it was top five every year, winning it three times. Second play, like it just, it it was a incredible run of dominance. This is the only time in Pujols' career that he led Major League Baseball in home runs. Uh, This was not his career high. His career high is 49 back in 2006, but 47 led baseball. Um, Only time he ever did that. Um, it was one of three times that he led Major League Baseball in OPS, uh, and um, he did so also in his MVP 08 season. This is either, by by most measures, this is somewhere, he, Pujols had a lot of seasons that were like similarly valuable uh, offensively, but this is somewhere between the first and third most valuable season offensively of Pujols' career. He was at the peak of his powers. Um, anyway, uh What's significant about this is that I give the voters credit. Obviously, it's more fun to shred the voters, but I give them credit here because what they weren't tempted by was the shiny newer toy slugging first baseman uh, or guys that maybe hadn't won the previous year. 
Ryan Howard and Prince Fielder, to name two, in addition to Adrian Gonzalez, uh, who also had 40 homers this year in 2009, Fielder, Howard, and Pujols each, each had at least 45 homers and at least 135 RBI this season. That is historically rare. It's one of two seasons in Major League Baseball history where three players had 45 or more homers and 135 or more RBI. The only other season was a season that also featured Albert Pujols and Ryan Howard. Uh, In that case, it was Lance Berkman was the third guy um, uh, by a first baseman. But anyway, uh, he was definitively better than Prince Fielder or Ryan Howard. um, And... They were not swayed by that, obviously, as uh, he received all 32 first place votes. The only seasons by OPS plus by an NL first baseman in the wild card era who grayed out better are his own 2008 and uh, Mark McGuire's 1998. That's it. So uh, maybe the best season of Pujols' career and one of the uh, one of the better seasons by a uh, first baseman over the last couple of decades. Uh, Pujols is going to stick with it, and it's not even it's not even really worth debating the other candidates, in my opinion. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, I mean, it's 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 a year that I didn't realize Chase Utley. There were a lot of like if if Albert Pujols were never born or if he were in the American League already, it's a much more uh, engaging conversation. But like Hanley Ramirez, the year that he had, like he had a seven point three wins above replacement, won a batting title, hitting three forty two and had an OPS over nine fifty. Uh, as you mentioned, Howard and Fielder, they both drove in 141 runs. <laughs> they had 45 and 46 homers each and almost played a full season. Prince Fielder played 162. Howard played 160. Um, Troy Tulowitzki, 6.5 war, hit 297 with a 930 OPS. Like These are all like crazy good seasons, but Pujols was just like, Head and shoulders better than everybody else. Ryan and Ryan Braun was still doing his thing. Like uh, you know, Leather Ryan Braun, hits that year. Yeah, three twenty three eighty six five fifty one, and he went thirty twenty. Uh, Matt Kemp was kind of ascending. At the, I know we already did the uh, their MVP, but like you know, there were a lot of to your point, there were a lot of guys who had really good seasons. Um, mm-hmm. But Pujols's was Derek def- Lee hit three oh six with a nine seventy two OPS and finished ninth in the voting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is just one of those I mean, years where they're like a lot of really good seasons. Yep. And then Pujols had an all time great season. Well, dude, I brought up Adrian Gonzalez. He had 40 homers and led baseball in walks and had a with along with a 407 on base percentage and finished 12th in the MVP in the, in the NL. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. there were some monster seasons. And this is like prime Carpenter, Carpenter and Wainwright both dealing. Lincecum was there. But yeah, it's, it's, it, Keep it, letting Pujols keep this one is one of the easier calls that we've had on this segment since we started. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to know your next year, Jay? Hay? I'd love to. Next week, when Jay Hay breaks down the MVP voting to see if he's knocking on any doors, you will be reviewing the. Did we already? We did 1931? <laughs> did we 1931? I no. don't think so. No, we didn't. That's the first year of the award, right? But this is going to be great because, oh man, (laughs) this is great. Okay, because this is Lefty Grove, who I tried to jam on to the to the Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth. Lou Gehrig had a hundred and eighty-five RBI this season. (laughs) 
<laughs> didn't win the MVP. Uh, Jesus Christ. Babe, Babe Ruth had a 495 on base percentage and a 700 slugging. Didn't win the MVP. Not impressive. Jeez. Killed his wife. He did. Meanwhile, uh, me, meanwhile, in the NL, some Frankie Frisch won the NL MVP. While, as best I can tell, the only thing that he let in was stolen bases with 28. This is going to be a comical MVP voting to run through. I, you know what I like to do for these old ones? I like to try and find newspaper articles or like linked things where you can go back and read contemporary articles uh, as to why people just voted the way that they it. did. And yes. I, I can't wait to find out. I hope it's not just that St. Louis was good. Um, that's going to be a disappointing conclusion. But I'd love to know how Frankie Frisch walked away with his MVP because not only is he not the best candidate in the NL, but like the best candidate in the NL would be something like the 12th best candidate in the AL. Like all of the best candidates are in the AL for this award. So yeah, this will be fun. Close. This will be fun. And this is the inaugural MVP award, right? This is, let's see. I believe so. No. Yes. 30, 1930. No. You sure? Yes. I mean, I the website that I have saved uh, is is the date range nineteen thirty one to two thousand two. Oh, and then I, I think just have we to covered generate. I hold on. I th I'm sorry. I think we covered this. This is the year that the BBWAA took over, I believe, which is why I want to say we chose nineteen. I think we decided that nineteen thirty one would be our first year um, because the formatting prior to this was completely different. So, got it. Okay. So first year that, that the BBWAA yeah. took over. 1931 MVP. Uh, we're looking back on that next week. As well as the all-time pitcher, Mount Rushmore. Loaded-ass segment. Yeah. We got, we got all the juice next week. I don't know. Um, I don't know what else could possibly happen. I mean, next week is pitchers and catchers, is it not? It is. Pitchers and catchers is next fucking week. Today's February 5th. So probably a week from, I mean, it's a different date for every organization, but probably a week from this Wednesday. Damn. Damn, boy. So, all right. Uh, any final thoughts, Joseph? Ooh. Um, see you at spring training. You going to go down there? Uh, yeah. I'm usually, I, I'm one of those guys I get down early. You know, I get my work in early because oh, okay. I'm itching to get back on the field. Yeah, I feel you, bro. I feel you. Um, Jay, hey, any final thoughts? No, I think we covered it. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. No, I did have a final thought. Shout out to the uh, A's uh, for the second consecutive podcast, importing a new ace. I mean, wow. not we've spent a lot of time on Corbin Burns, but... Mm, Mysteriously, East Coast bias, not as much time on Ross Stripling. So, um, oh. shout out. That That's Moneyball, baby. That's just welcome. Solid, solid welcome trade. to the welcome to the intersection of resurrection, the resurrection intersection at 66th and Zone. That's right. Strip club. That's what they call them around the clubhouse. <laughs> uh, did you see that segment? This is my final thought. Do you see that that segment that Marty Mush is doing where he's challenging? Uh, MLB pitchers to see if he can get a hit off of them. Yeah, I can assure you, my answer no. to that question was no, no matter where it went. No, yeah, no. He uh, 
did you know that one of the participants is uh, J.P. Sears? I, Sears I and Roebuck? Oh, well, they probably got a uh, East Coast connection, I'm sure, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Either that or it's because uh, that that stool baseball Instagram account sure had, you know, a lot of uh, buildup with the baseball community for quite some time to have the the visibility to have a, a big leader see it. Oh, buddy. Yeah. Hey, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Listen, gonna show up and face him and fucking strike him out, dude. Dallas can't even wipe his own ass. I'm right talking now. to you. I'm talking to the rocket. Former MLB pitcher. I'm talking Locked about in. you, bro. Mm-hmm. You got gas. You probably got more gas than me. I mean, let's be honest, but yeah. you know, close. How, how do we put a, uh, how, how do we put a bounty out there? Anybody that drill is there? Is there anybody that's willing to drill Marty Mush? <laughs> I'm sure they will. There was there yeah. was one that like I think so. I'll, I'll say this: Marty can actually swing it a little bit. And there were some MLB guys that were like, "Oh, I'll fucking face him without even warming up." Blah blah blah. Like it, it ain't gonna be that easy. It really isn't. Well, I, I just I things like this are so hard for me to even entertain because it's always a lose lose for the person in my spot. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. You just so, strike him out and you're supposed to or you give up a hit and you, you, you know, you look right. like a fucking loser. Right. That's why when you absolutely embarrass somebody, what happens is that video ends up getting buried and extremely edited for three years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then it finally makes the light of day. That's how that happens. Yeah. 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 Dallas, any final thoughts? Uh, no, Jay. Hey, I just want you to, I want you to keep me in your thoughts and prayers, man. I'm going to, I'm trying to figure out a way to clean my, my spa and, and my swimming pool. Uh, I got the boathouse up North that's under attack by mother nature as well. But, uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to just roll with the punches, Jay. Hey, and I'm going to try to make the best out of a bad situation here. That's all I can do. That's all I can do. All I can do. Those are my final thoughts. Just, just rolling with the punches of Mother Nature. Uh, you are as you are as brave as I've always thought you are. Really, really admirable. Good luck to you. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> All right. We'll see you next week. We out.